Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there will be spoilers for the entirety of the series Wolf's Reign, as well as various other anime series. Please use caution in case we discuss a series you haven't finished yet. And finally, the opinions expressed in today's episode are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. They say there's no such place as paradise. Even if you search to the ends of the earth, there's nothing there. No matter how far you walk, it's always the same road. It just goes on and on. But in spite of that, why am I so driven to find it? A voice calls to me. It says, search for paradise. Dear listeners, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where we discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. I'm Stephanie, and joining me tonight are my OG partners in crime, Hardy and Megan. Howdy! How do we even come into this with a joke? Holy shit. (laughs) You can't. That's the problem. I saw an owl once, and I never want to see one again. (laughs) Who am I? Where am I? God, I wanted to punch that thing in the fucking face. I'm with, oh, I'm with, I'm with Hige, Sume, jump up there and eat that. <laughs> Tear its head off, it's fine. It's fucking Nothing fine. Nothing of value anyway. would be lost. <laughs> Not wrong. Uh, okay, if you would recall a tweet from us earlier this year, we all know that 2020 is Dub Talk's five year anniversary. Happy fucking birthday, Dub Talk. Oh... Yay. That's all you're gonna say? Just Y'all are... God, have... whatever. I don't know how you expect us to have... This is just... Oh. Oh. <laughs> anyway, to and to celebrate every month this year, each of your favorite hosts has been covering a series that is near and dear to their little otaku hearts. You may already know what I decided to say. I know you said otaku, occasion. but it came through my headphones as taco hearts. It's not Tuesday, though. It's not Taco Tuesday. Every day is Taco Tuesday if you try hard enough. Hell yeah. Especially if Andrew's around. God, fuck. Thanks, Hardy. (laughs) High five. (laughs) Oh, shit. I know. I'm. Re- I'm fine. I'm recording this episode at Andrew's house, and he's currently downstairs. Walking. Hardy just like <laughs> Hardy just like alley ooped that to me, and I dunked it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Oh, alright. You may already know what I decided to pick out for the special occasion. However, if you are new here, you're a new viewer and listener to Dub Tug, uh, well, we're going to be joining the pack today and searching for paradise as we discuss the English dub of Wolf's Reign, the 2003 Studio Bones series. Sunshine and rainbows for all. And yeah. nothing bad happens. Everyone takes a nice long trek in the wilderness there is nothing bad that ever happens flowers sunshine rainbows there's dancing um Char, dancing. Char no, on a blaze no. shows up for some reason no no no, no 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 there's dancing lobsters and a walrus okay the walrus that is literally one of the fucking like wildest fights i've ever watched in anime and i'm not even joking and on like, this day young toboe <laughs> became a, a man. man like holy shit anyway the, that, anyway that thing was fucking huge let me we'll talk about the walrus in a little bit let me get through the intro please you can't not talk about it i know you can't not talk about it but can we not talk about it right now so i can get through the intro <laughs> fine god all right so, if you are unfamiliar with uh, what Wolf's Reign is about, here's a quick little summary. Paradise, a legend, a myth, and a hopeless dream in a world that has become a wasteland. It is not meant for everyone. Only the wolves thought to be extinct, yet still roam the lands. When the flower maiden awakens, the path to the end will open. Kiba, a lone white wolf, wanders into a poverty-stricken city on a quest. The scent of lunar flowers and the will to find paradise is all he has. Along the way, he runs into other outcast wolves, Sume, Hige, and Toboe, each with their own story and troubles. Fate bringing them together, they seek out the flower maiden Cheza and their way to paradise. But doing so is no simple matter. Up against a world that fears them and a man with mysterious abilities, their journey is overrun with challenges and worse, sacrifices. With limited time, they must fight to protect Cheza against everyone who seeks her and discover the hidden path to their destiny. This group of broken souls will form a pack and take their journey to the door of paradise. But is it worth the end of the world? So, yeah. yeah. Some, and uh, and there was some a fucking walrus along the way. There was a goddamn walrus. <laughs> She's going to be stuck on this walrus for like five hours now. It's what happens when you deny science to Jamie Heineman. <laughs> Jesus fucking God. Who's been denying science? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Now I'm thinking of, um, what the fuck is it? What is it? Hardy knows this better than I do. What has mad science wrought? What has mad science wrought? I don't remember the name from that. What that's from. That's from Atomic Robot. That's Dr. Dinosaur. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, I don't I know nothing about The only reason I Robot. say that is there's this great meme image of, like, a baby walrus in a bucket. Yeah. And it's the, the, the bearded guy, Jamie, from Mythbusters. And it goes, Dad, yes, son. I myth you. Oh. <laughs> and it's like That's one of my so favorite precious. images on the internet. That is so fucking Just... precious. Anyway, anyway, oh god. But um, that thing was like the size of a fucking semi! And Toboe ate its face off! <laughs> she called me, she texted me about the walrus, she freaked the fuck out. I am anyway, walrus. god. 
stop. No more distractions. Cut it out. Anyways, we're going to be covering the casting of the series and giving our thoughts and opinions on the performance of the show. And in the end, because we, I am, fuck everything. This is a classics episode. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Um, This was, fun fact, this was supposed to be the pilot episode for the classics series. But you know, that didn't fucking happen. Yeah, Um, Megan's got depression really bad. Yeah, it's a thing. But anyway. We're all surprised that Megan managed to watch nine episodes of this show in a day at one point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but anyway, I'm actually glad we're covering this now. Um, so we're going to see if uh, the dub still holds up today or it should, or if it should go the way of the dinosaurs. Uh, so before we get into um, get into the actual staffing and cast and everything like that, because we love doing this here with the classics episodes in particular, is under- like knowing our, our knowledge and ex- pre- previous experience with this show. So if I am correct... Hardy has never seen the show before, but he does know the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I had watched it, it's little bits and pieces on uh, Adult Swim when it was yeah. airing. Uh, I never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. And I think up until this point, I was there were three series that are super popular that for the longest time I just absolutely refused to watch because their well, fan sorry, base was one of them. Fa- fan base is kind of annoyed me. Um, Evangelion was the main one. I still won't watch Evangelion. I understand that. Um, Death Note, I watched up to a certain point, and then the fans just killed it for me, so I stopped it. Yep. And uh, and then this show. Uh, mainly because the few episodes that I watched, I was turned off by all of the scenes of animal abuse. And yeah. it's still really hard to watch today, but yeah, this is getting... Very- it's brutal. It's it doesn't hold any pun. It doesn't pull any punches. Yeah, th- this podcast has given me uh, the excuse to finally go back and and go all the way through it. So yeah, it so. hits hard. Yeah, and then Megan, I think before had only watched the first episode and then never has gotten back no, to it. I had I had seen like maybe like the first couple episodes or like maybe the first two is usually what I've seen. Yeah. and a weird thing is is that I actually own the manga for this, really, which is vastly different from the anime. Uh, yeah, I still actually do. Um, hold on a second. Let me see if I can go try to find it really quick. Does well while you're going to find it, I'll go over my brief experience with this. So, this is actually the show that made me discover what anime actually is. Um, so when I was probably like 14, 13, 14 years old, I was up one late one night at my dad's house and I was watching TV. My sister was asleep and I decided to watch something and I flipped the channels to uh, Cartoon Network and I saw, I think, the last two or three minutes of Wolf's Rain. I don't remember specifically what point it was, but I think it was when they f- might have met first met Cheza is when I first saw it. And I got very curious because it was like two, three o'clock in the morning when I saw this. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then um, after that, Inuyasha came on and I was drawn in. I'm like, what is all this stuff I'm watching right now? This isn't what Cartoon Network usually has. This is weird. So Wolf's Rain is the basically the reason reason why and how I discovered what anime actually is, honestly. Um, so this, this definitely does have a special place in my heart. Um, and I actually watched it through for the fir- like entirely for the first time. Because I, again, I started smack dab in the middle <sighs> during the Adult Swim run. And... Um, I watched it for the first time a few years ago when I actually reviewed the show when I used to do anime reviews. So the um, answer to your question is yes, I still own both volumes of them and they are both signed by uh, Kiba's actor. Nice. But um, anyway, 
but yeah, I re- God, when I watched it fully for the first time a few years ago when I did my review for this, which is still up on this channel because I didn't want to take it down, and oh my God, people love it. Um, thank you for that, whoever, the, the thousands of people who still watch that. Um, and it's very strange, like... A lot of people, I think, our age really know, like, do know what the show is and love it. But I think the new generation has no fucking clue. They have no clue what the show is. <laughs> it hurts. I tell you this much. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my brief little history with it. Uh, By the way, if anybody asks, no, the the an- the manga's ending is very very much different from the anime ending in that uh nobody actually dies in the manga oh oh yeah spoilers everybody fucking dies dies. yeah um no one lives to say that the ending of this show is brutal is an understatement the last what how many ovas are there three or four it's four it's four of them yeah so the last four episodes of the show can be some of the most depressing and hard stomach shit to watch oh yeah like, especially the last episode, like, fucking Darsha scares the shit out of me, guide. Oh, let, let's, let's, like, get started into, ever, like, this, this the whole th- shebang, because when we get to Darsha, oh boy, there's gonna be some fun words. All I hear of is Darsha this, Darsha that, Darsha, Darsha, Darsha. <laughs> God, fuck. Jaguar, 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 when Hamina comes over. Shh. <laughs> It's I've been wanting to make cool. that joke for days now. I've been- oh, God damn it. That's God such a- bless. God, that's such a good joke. <laughs> God bless. We're going to have a bunch of fun jokes. I got to remember one for later <laughs> we had last night. Uh, anyway, so we're going to just dive right into it. We've been rambling on long enough with um, intros and shit. Uh, so, of course, we're going to start off with our staff. So we have our ADR director, and we have two script writers. So for our ADR director, we have the wonderful, amazing, outstanding Miss Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who has also been the director for other series such as Ghost of the Shell, Standalone Complex, Naruto, and Cowboy Bebop. As for writers, Mary also serves as one of our script writers for the show. She's the main script writer, uh, and she has written... For other shows such as Digimon Tamers, Metropolis, and Appleseed. But she is not alone. She is assisted on some episodes by Miss Leah Sargent, who has also done script work for The Big O, Mobile Suit Gundam 0080, and Outlaw Star. So, uh, Megan, what are your thoughts on the directing and writing of the show? Oh, I guess I'll get to go first. Okay. Um, so- you know me. I'm gonna, you know me. I'm gonna be mixing people around the whole night. Oh, good lord. Um... So, oh gosh, this dub was produced in what? 0304? Somewhere uh, around there, yeah. Yeah. Well, the show itself was 03. Okay, yeah. So, the so dub probably would be 04, 05. Five. Yeah, the dub. So, yeah, one of the things I. I didn't get to watch this dub when this show came out, mostly because I would have only been around like 12 or 13 years old, and 12 or 13 year old Megan would have fucking hated this. Yeah. She also would have been scared shitless of it. <laughs> Um, you're talking to Stephanie, who 13, 14 year old Stephanie was terrified of Paranoia Agent at the, at the time. She's okay, to be fair, as somebody who was watching Paranoia Agent for the first time right now, surprise, um, that got rescued. Um, Yay. <laughs> episodes anyway. that were recorded earlier this year are just really funny now. 
It's true. Because <laughs> I think there so, was uh, a paradise kiss of anybody would like to grab that. Um, yeah. I anyway. Have. Anyway, go on. So, this dub is just so hauntingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like it is so well done, and you could not tell unless you looked at like the actual cast members. It, this does not feel like a dub that was done like almost twenty years ago now. Yeah. Like, it's so well. It holds up so well. The only one aspect that I would have, uh, I do have an issue of, is that um, there are clearly people, uh, characters of color that are not played by people of color. And had this dub been done in 2020, I think that those, even though I really like all those performances, um, maybe they would have been just as well done by somebody who is a person of color, uh, as well like i'll give another example of this because we don't talk video games um and i know it's a video game that's very near and dear to stuff and i's heart now yeah um fire emblem three houses oh, uh fire emblem. i really love ben lipley and griffin burns as uh Dadu and cyril but those are very clearly characters of color and they are not played by people of color so and and but here's the thing i really like the performances though i think they're fantastically and well well put together but actors of color should have been afforded that going back to the rest of like how good this is like and there are people of color in the cast but it's 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 complicated but there is so much to love about the the scripting of this because this is a show that has a lot of it's heavy as fuck Mm -hmm. like like pound like southern pound cake heavy or, like, the amount of butter Paula Deen puts into food heavy. Oh, God. Southern pound cake with buttercream frosting heavy. There we go. With another pile of sugar dumped on top. Yes. <laughs> um, and a lot of these actors would have to have to do these very long soliloquies that are very, mm-hmm. very, very stagey and very, very, like, prosy. But a lot of them do it very naturally. There are a couple times where you can feel people having to, like, break in, like, kind of mold into their characters. But by the end of the show, like, you're so invested in the performance of these. And for a show that has a lot of very poignant death scenes in it. Oh, boy. Those actors handle it well, especially Toboy. Like, like, everybody always oh talks to the Toboy death is, like, the, by far the hardest one to do. And I could see why. Um... Also, I think the mixing on this comes off really weird. There's a bunch of weird laser sounds. The the sounds of, like, wolves and dogs growling and howling. Animal noises. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no. I, I love the shit of this. And I think the scripting is done really well, too. And, honestly, if I had to pick, like, what my favorite Mary Elizabeth McGlynn dub is based on, like, all of the Mary Elizabeth McGlynn dubs I've seen, this is my favorite now. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is actually kind of a better dub than Bebop, and I'm going to get shit for that. Um, Bebop wasn't perfect because you occasionally had, like, the odd um, background character who didn't sound all that great. This one was more... This, this one was more consistent. More polished. polished and this consistent. Has a lot, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, because we're not talking about him, I want to talk about the guy who plays the fucking owl. <laughs> okay. Um... I think his name's, like, Joe Ogden or something. Okay. I don't have him listed right um, now. <laughs> that guy's performance is fucking creepy, and I love it. Um. Ah, uh, yes. That, we that, all wanted to punt ooh, the owl into the That fucking sun, owl. That fucking owl, man. Um. 
It is terrifying. To to it is so creepy and just, uh, it, it, it's just a really good job. Uh, also, I really like the way that the mix went to the uh, amazing soundtrack that the show has. Oh, of course. The um, soundtrack is amazing. It's Yoko Kano, bitches. Like, this is, this is my favorite Yoko Kano score. Um, uh, I'd also like to point out that if you want to see a really good cut of, like, the music and the acting in the show, the Funimation trailer for the show is fantastic, by the way. Oh, totally is. Um, yeah, Joe cut- Ackman is the owl, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to the trailer team. But yeah, no, really great on the direction and script writing. Absolutely loved it. Hardy, how about you? What are your thoughts on director and writer? If I had to describe this dub in two simple words. Okay. It's star-studded. Mm-hmm. Because... You are correct. You Just looking at the basic cast, this has, at the time that it was recorded, probably the... What's the word? Um, uh, the creme de la creme. Pro, the creme de la creme, or the you know, basic standard mm-hmm. of of anime VAs, and mm. I don't think that there is a bad casting choice or bad performance here. I think everything was perfectly cast, and it set forth a a an example of what dubs need to be. Mm. Um, it, it, now, if I had any criticisms of, criticisms of it, sorry, it's that it might be too star studded and it didn't really have any new talent in there. Um, but I think the overall quality is just, is just, you know, top rated. I think yeah. it's, it belongs on any top 10 list of greatest dubs of all time. Not necessarily oh, at one. I wouldn't put it at one. Um, but it would be in the top 10, definitely. Um, okay. This might just be me as far as the script goes. I think it might have gotten a little bit too prosy at times. But then again, I think the mm. show itself gets too prosy at times. And I'll get back into that when I, when we discuss final thoughts about my feelings on the show as a whole. But um, there were a lot of questions that just didn't get answered. And, and sometimes the script kind of made things confusing. Um, it sounds really nice and, and everyone sounds great and everyone reads great, but a lot of the stuff I just, maybe it's just me, the fact that I didn't watch this when it first came out and I'm watching it now at 2020, uh, for the first time, yeah. a lot of it just kind of went over my head. Mm-hmm. And I okay. think, I think that might have be one of the purposes of the show is to kind of go over people's heads and just overwhelm them and make them think, um, yeah. But that was that's that, that's only my main concern about the writing. That the, the acting okay. and directing was phenomenal. I don't think Mary Elizabeth McGlynn has ever directed a bad dub. I mean, she even made Glitter Force sound good. Um, so, <laughs> but damn uh, girl. Yeah. No. But yeah, that's that's all I have to say as far as directing and, and writing. So I'm actually going to agree with the point of I think this is a better dub than Cowboy Bebop. If Cowboy Bebop is the dub that kind of paved the way, like is the starting point of what dub should be sounding like, I think Wolf's Rain definitely helped solidify it a hell of a lot more. Are you saying that um, Cowboy Bebop crawled so that Wolf's Rain could walk? Fuck or run yeah, to paradise. Run to paradise. <laughs> This dub walked so that this bitch can run. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I love, I love, 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 love the direction of the show. 
I don't have an issue with any of the cast. I mean, to Megan's point, yeah, I, I, I do see, um, because there are a couple of characters of color, having actors of color playing those characters would help. But um, I think... I don't know, we don't know what the circumstance of, like, 2004, 2005 was, and, like, what the talent pool was, or what methods were being done in terms of the casting, so we don't know, so we can't say if maybe there wasn't anyone available, or if something else was happening, we don't know, um, if the, if this show was dubbed, like, now, then absolutely they should do, they should have actors of color portraying like i'd also i'd also point out that if the show came out today that like most of the anime community would fucking hate it oh my god the anime it's slow it's very political i think we were very dark we were briefly talking about this before we started recording like i think it might be a generational thing like our generation like we we love shit like this but like new anime fans might just some will appreciate it. Some of some people will appreciate it, but I think a lot of people who are very heavy on like the action and the shonen and all this fun stuff, they will be just like the fuck. Like I'm imagining people are losing their garbage at wondering what the fuck paranoia agent even is. Or Lane. Imagine them watching Lane in this day and age. Tsunami Adult Swim put fucking Lane on Tsunami. God damn it, fucking cowards. I haven't seen Lane yet, so don't. I have, me. I have not seen the entirety of Lane. I've been trying to. <laughs> I have never seen halfway. Lane, and I've met the guy who fucking created it. I know, me too. Uh, <laughs> he's so sweet. He's such a sweetheart. Um, but anyway, um, directing wise, I absolutely loved it. The casting was phenomenal, like so so phenomenal. I don't think there's a performance in the entire show that I disliked or vehemently hated. There are like there's. At least one that took, like, one or two for adjustment purposes hearing it. Because some, cause some of these characters are either, like, stiff or they they seem a little stilted at times. Um, mostly in the way of Cheza, actually. But I know there's reason behind it. <laughs> Fucking Cheza. Um, I'd but- also like to, to, when you're done, I'd like to read something from uh, some other people I was talking to about this show. You'll have to make it quick That's when I'm done. Yeah. You'll have to make it quick when I'm done. Um, and writing-wise, there's... I can I can see the issues that Hardy was talking about with there being sometimes too much prose. But I think that's more on the fault of the show itself. Because, <laughs> oh my god, it seems like... I haven't watched the Japanese version at all. But um, I did watch some of the... Uh, the, the, set I, the Blu-ray set I have has like cast and staff interviews, and I watched those. And um, they did also play, like, some clips and stuff. And it also seemed kind of prosy in the Japanese version from what I saw. So I think it's more, I think it's more of, like, trying to stay as close to that material as possible. So that might be why um, it seems a bit prosy at times. But um, (laughs) there are the occasional weird pronunciations, too. (laughs) The occasional, very occasional. Not not that, um, not horrible. Um, Jagada being weird. I think I heard a, J- a Jagora at one point, and a Jagada- Jagada most of the time, but, like, a Jagora at least once. <laughs> so, like, some pronunciations of names were kind of a little bit weird. Um, but otherwise than that, oh my god. This, like, this is also one of my favorite dubs ever. 
honestly. Like, it's so phenomenal. It, it has its subtleties. It has so much depth and complexity to it. And a lot of tender love and care went into this to make it just Mwah, chef's kiss perfect. I love it. Every single second of it. Megan, make your little thing brief. So yeah, no, I was talking about this and I want to give credit to uh, Katie and Amon who were talking about this. Which Amon is like, I think the Wolf Strain dub might have been the first time I conscientiously recognized a voice actor I'd heard in another dub. Yeah. And uh, To which Katie had said, no, I'm sorry, not Kate. Yeah, Katie had said, what I think is so interesting about the dub versus the sub is how they took completely different approaches to casting the wolves. In the Japanese, they casted a bunch of unknowns. Well, unknowns yep. at the time, Mamoru Miyano is, well, Mamoru fucking Miyano. Miyano. Okay, to be fair, I did see uh, Norio Wakamoto's name pop up in there. I was like, ah, oh, it's you! <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then, uh, so, Katie Katie had pointed out that the dub has a lot of veterans, though. Oh! You can use that as the censor noise. Just okay. Click that, just hook that moment out and use it. Um, Done. Go ahead. Was a pretty new face. And Amon says, this makes me wonder, in relation to the dubbing process, that the Adult Swim deal had happened. Mm. Uh, I could potentially see them have casting a bunch of unknowns. This is going to straight to VHS DVD, but TV deal? No way. They were going to get a bunch of big actors. No, yeah, uh, that's true. Though I do find it really funny that this dub has a lot of similarities to casting to another dub that I did an episode on earlier this year called Last Exile. Ah, uh, um, yes. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, though, I believe they were recorded at two separate studios, because I think... This, I think... Wolfsbrain, this was, Wolfsbrain was, was from was animes. animes. And I think Last Exile is Bang Zoom. Probably. It sounds right. Yeah, but yeah. This was recorded with um, animes, originally. All I know is... This was originally licensed by Bondi. California. Yeah. Anyway. Are you good? Yes. Okay, so I think we're going to move on to our first set of characters. Yes. Yes. So we're going to talk about our only set of human characters in the show that act as major characters. Well, well, Darcia is human, technically. Darcia, Darcia, Darcia. We'll talk about Darcia in a minute. We're not talking about him now. We're going to talk about Quint Yiden, Cher de Grey, and Hub Lebowski. So Quint Yiden is a former sheriff of a small village um, called Curios, um, who is on the hunt to track down wolves as revenge for basically burning his home village down and, in the process, killing his wife and his son. Uh, he's a vengeful old man. Uh, Cher de Grey and Hub Lebowski, they are... Well, <laughs> they were married. They got divorced. Cher is a doctor or professor, um, and she is the head researcher in, in charge of the project overseeing Cheza, the flower maiden. Um, while Hub is a detective uh, working in Free City, who eventually, after shit goes down, Cher disappears. Uh, to go help find and recover Cheza after she's kidnapped, Hub basically gets fired from his job and goes to try and find her. Um, and being Hub, Hub Lebowski is suffering. Being Hub Lebowski is suffering. Fuck. He needs right. a. I think he needs a white Russian. Oh, uh, he needs. He needs five white Russians. That man. God does his white? Damn. Is his white Russian called Cher? <laughs> Oh, oh, I just thought of an awful joke about their entire relationship. Oh, no. Do you know what the theme song of their relationship is basically can be summed up as? What? If I could turn I knew you were going to say it. I was going to say it, but I, I, I decided not to. 
fuck. <laughs> if I could find a way. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And, and then later on, it's, I got you, babe. Oh, no, I don't have you anymore. <laughs> oh, 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 we'll talk well, about that in a minute. At least nobody died by running into a tree. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Amon is going to come fucking hit me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the individuals voicing these characters. Voicing Quint Yiden, we have Mr. Tom Weiner, who has voiced characters such as Devimon from Digimon Adventure, Goro Hoshi- Hoshino in Planetes, and Shogun in Hikai J. As Cher, we have Miss Kari Walgren, who you... If you don't know who Kari Walgren is, first of all, what's wrong with you? Uh, she has voiced characters such as Haruhara Haruko in Fulikuli. I can never get that right without twist, being a tongue twister. Uh, Saya Otanashi and Diva in series Blood Plus. And Kagami Hiragi. Anaplex let it out of the vault! Anaplex let it out of the vault! And Kagami Hiragi in Lucky Star. As for Hub Lebowski, we have Robert Bertolts, who has voiced characters such as Paz in Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Zenki in the series Zenki, weird, uh, and Ryu in the anime's dub of Akira. He's also Gene Starwin. Is he? Yes. How the fuck did I miss that? Wait, what? Uh, see, You're telling the... me that the guy who directed Beastars is Jim's? Is a... What? Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I forgot that this is my... Is... Robert Fuck Bush. you! Now I know. Okay, he does more directing stuff now. <laughs> I, I didn't put two Fuck and two together. <laughs> anyway, you're Hardy. a liar. <laughs> Megan, sit down. Hardy, what are your thoughts on these performances? Ah, uh, let's see. Let's start off with Bob Buckle. I don't know how his name is pronounced. Is it Bushels? Is it Buckholtz? I don't know. Uh, we need to. We need to actually find out how his name is properly pronounced because we, we we've do. probably been saying it wrong this entire time. Oh my god! Can we not talk about the pain that I went through? I re <laughs> remember when I re-listened some of the early episodes and I mispronounced Clifford Chapin's last name. Mm-hmm. I cringed every fucking time I did that. Uh, or Justin oh Justin no. Brenner. Oh God! Our, we were such babbies back then. Anyway, yeah. we need to we need to uh, put on our fedoras and get it right. And we need <laughs> Never to, well actually ourselves. Oh uh, man. Anyway, anyway, yeah, we uh we're more used to uh Bob these days directing than uh than acting. So he hasn't really been in much recently. Um but uh he was probably one of the ones I had to work to get used to. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't believe it or not I didn't recognize him as Jim Gene Starwind. I uh a kind of um took some time to get used to but i think as he as the show goes along and hub becomes more established as a character it works a whole lot better uh towards the middle and end um as for kari as Cher, this is the one i knew it was kari going into it Mm -hmm. but she sounds very different from how she usually sounds like Cher has more of a huskier voice that you don't really you hear kari use very often uh, she's she's usually used to playing these uh, much younger, uh, like teenage characters, um, Pep- or batshit crazy like Haruko. Yeah, yeah. And so like hearing her play as this this full grown mature woman with this down, sort of low tone voice, uh, was was a change for her. And I think she did it well. You know if. If I w- did not know going into it firsthand that I was Kari Walgren, I might not have been able to place her, which 
And I know Kari Walgren when I hear her. So I think... Oh, yeah, we all know what she sounds like at this point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, of course, she does a good job. Let's talk about Tom Weiner. And Weiner is a very appropriate actor for someone like Quint. <laughs> Weiner. Because oh, that, yes. that man's liver is gone. Oh, fuck. He's a heavy drinker. It's not even funny. I mean, I'm surprised uh, he didn't. I'm surprised he had a brain injury, not a liver injury by the end of that show. Holy God, shit. you're right. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, Quint. That fucker. man drinks like a fish. But, uh, but. And yeah. they said that Cher drinks like a fish at one point, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that one point where, like, Cher and uh, Quint are just, are just drinking. Drinking each other out under the table. Mm-hmm. They don't even know who the other person is, obviously. <laughs> just so funny. Right. Like, but anyway. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. This was probably my favorite performance in the entire show. Ooh, oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I'm going to ask the question of why. He just nails being a stubborn, angry, just nothing left to lose, alcoholic, mm-hmm. out for vengeance. Perfect. Okay. It's yeah. just, this is the, the quintessential, I couldn't <laughs> see anyone else playing this character because he's just so grizzled and just done with it all. Mm. And uh, he's just, if it wasn't for his blatant racism against wolves, Quint might actually be, have been my favorite character. Because, hey, th- Hardy. Yeah. Would you say that Tom Weiner has the Quint essential performance? <laughs> Don't leave me. Don't leave me. I can't even. I can't. I can't even be mad. Fuck. Hardy, I owe you a beer, man. <laughs> dude, I owe you, dude. We. I'm so. We were supposed to actually have been hanging out this weekend, IRL. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Because Anime yeah, Blues Con. Yeah, we yep. were supposed to be together this weekend. I would have bought you a beer, but yeah. Oh fuck, the, man! I swear to God, the next time all of us are actually together, shit's going down. We're gonna be having drinks dump and talk, have a fun time. Dump talk is going to burn down a state. <laughs> we're going be, to have it, the party. It might be Michigan because I know we talked about going to Michigan. What's up? We're gonna have fun. the party to end all parties, and we're probably going to have a goat there. <laughs> Just for Hardy. Where did you guys get the goat? I don't fucking know. Like no questions. Yeah. This is this is Steve, man. Yeah. But but anyways, no. I, this is probably if it wasn't for his, you know, the obvious allegory to to racism <laughs> that uh, that Quint embodies. Uh, yeah. He probably would have been my favorite character because mm-hmm. Tom just knocked it out of the park. Okay. So, yeah, that's what Good. I that's what I think. All right. Uh, I'll go real quick on these. So, I will fully agree that Tom Weiner is fucking fantastic and is a crotchety, grumpy old man who does not have time for your bullshit and is like, fuck you, wolves are real, why are you not seeing this? Like, that's one of the things is, like, everybody thinks he's fucking crazy. It's like, wolves went extinct, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, bitch, no. Bitch, no. They are hiding. I'm gonna find those fuckers and I'm gonna kill them. Like, he's he's done. Like, he's done with his shit. And it's, oh man, Tom just portrays it so well. But I also really liked, something else I also really liked with Quint as a character is later on in the show, especially once we know about Blue, because um, we'll talk about Blue a little later on, um, 
and how he has to come to accept it as well. And he's like slowly accepting what's going on. And it's, it's, oh my God, you want to talk about the allegories to racism. Blue is a character of color. Mm-hmm. And, oh Lord, it's, if you want to, if you don't, if you need a clear freaking depiction or allegory to goddamn racism, voila. Um, but no, I really like how Quinn's character kind of does develop and he becomes a little bit, he becomes a little more accepting and soft. However, in the end, he also is like, this is what's best for these people. I should not be a part of this. Like, he, he legit, like, throws a temper tantrum about traveling with the other, with the wolves to paradise, fucking runs off, and, like, leaving everything behind. And as he's interacting with, I think it was Toboey, as he's interacting with Toboey, he's like, why should I go back? This is, like, this isn't, this isn't what I want this isn't what i've been fighting for this whole time and then when blue comes up it's like but i'm not gonna do that to her (laughs) like he does still care so it's very interesting how his character kind of develops throughout the course of the show um kari as Cher, i also have to agree this is very different than what we usually hear kari as because we're used to the harikos we're used to um Saya, we're used to uh, to um, Kagami. We're used to the peppy, upbeat characters that have so much energy to them. And um, this is a lot more softer, a lot more subtle. Um, I, I liked that you used the word husky because I didn't think of that before. Um, but that definitely describes Cher to a T. And she's just so knowledgeable and curious like like any researcher is and it's very very fun and interesting and god damn it i didn't expect Cher to be the first of them to die i never expected the first time and then i completely forgot and when i watched it again i'm like fuck you <laughs> and she's she's given an Aerith gamesboro burial oh yep she into is. the water with you yep she can go hang out with the walrus <laughs> god fuck <laughs> The walrus is in the opposite direction. They're far from The walrus from has an, Aris, a, an off-colored Aerith body pillow. What? <laughs> you said what? she Aerith game burrow death, so we... Off-colored Aerith body pillow. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on right now. Oh, shit. Anyway, no, I really... God. Wait, No. Shares a blonde. That's a fem cloud body pillow. Uh, Fuck. (laughs) I fucking quit. (laughs) I quit. Good night, everybody. No, but I really liked a lot of the subtleties that she gave to Cher. Um, So very soft and gentle and putting a lot of meaning into meaning and thought into every single word and every single action that Cher does in the show. Um, and I, out of the human character, out of the human characters, I think she's my favorite of the, of the three. Um, and then for Hub. Oh, Hub. Oh, stupid Hub. <laughs> um, Hub is very interesting. Um, I mentioned it to the two of you last night. Um, and I didn't think of this either, but when I watched the cast interviews um, that were done with the Japanese Seiyu, 
the Seiyu for Hub Lebowski actually said that he thinks that Hub is a representation of humanity's powerlessness and, and what's going on. And I, when you think about it in that perspective, it makes a lot of sense what Hub goes through. He is, like, he is kind of the butt monkey of the show. He is. Like, <laughs> well, not the comedic How butt monkey. How the fuck but. did Hub make it that far? Through sheer fucking willpower and a desire for share. For <laughs> desire for his wife. Ex-wife, sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, I I also have to agree with Hardy that it actually took a bit. This is, aside from Cheza, Hub is actually the other character that it does take a bit for me to adjust to as well. Because, like, compared to some of the other performances, you have, like... A very like soft, subtle Kari. You have grouchy, grumpy Tom. You have all these other characters that we're gonna talk about in a minute. And then there's Bob as Hub. And in the beginning, it it seemed a little stilted at first, but I think that's more of like a growing pain situation. I will agree with you, Hardy, that like come middle of the show, I it came across a lot better, and it definitely developed very much and was consistent and even grew till the through the end of the show. Um, but yeah, oh man, I loved all, th I do love all three of these performances, but god damn it, all three of them, like, fuck, they bit the big one in horrible ways. God, but, you have- Hub you didn't have even get to smoke his cigar. No, <laughs> like you have Cher who basically Life fell off of a- Hub one more time. <laughs> Like you have Cher, who basically ended up falling off of an icy cliff in a vehicle. You have Quint, who got shot by Darcia. And then you have Hub, who falls off of a... Long live ledge. the king! <laughs> he got mufasa Except ah! there's no scar. He mufasa himself, basically. Um, fell off a ledge. Sume got to play Simba in that scene. Simba? <laughs> Sume played Simba? You're right. Fuck. It means anyway. Hub's gonna come out in the clouds and appear to them all. <laughs> sneezing, sneezing. God damn it, allergic to clouds. <laughs> Did we forget that Hub is allergic to basically apparently everything? My favorite part is when he's in the broker and the snake's there. She's like, what's wrong with you? I'm allergic to snake. And she's just like, uh-huh. That's great. Anyway, Megan, what are your thoughts on the performances? <laughs> Holy shit, life just shits on Hub Lebowski. I gotta, I gotta think, like, I'll get into the performance in a minute. I'm just wondering what, what? the writing team in Japan's like, alright, we need a white guy name. Hub Lebowski. I got it, guys! <laughs> Jesus Christ, that Such is a, weird... a white-ass name. That's so true. That sounds like something someone names their back Alabama cousin. <laughs> no okay. offense to the residents of Alabama, unless you're a racist, then very much offense. Uh, I here's here's what I'm understanding. Cher is Cher de Grey because she has a degree. Oh yeah. Um, God damn it! Fuck you. Hub right. Hub is because he's her husband. Oh no. And I don't know about and Quint, so. Because he's drinking a, qu a quint of alcohol? No, he's quintessential to the show as the vengeful. Yeah. yeah. Vengeful quint, is man. Your, quint is your racist grandpa. Oh my god. Fuck. <laughs> quint, your fucking racist grandpa, man. Um, anyway. Uh, I'll start with Cher. Like, 
Even I took a minute for it to think that's Kari Walgren, because again, I'm used to the younger sounding Kari Walgren characters. Saya, Lavi, uh, Haruko. Um, I don't think I've remember- I don't think I've ever heard Kari actually play a character this old before. Even like, recently? Yeah, even recently. Hmm. I don't even- I even don't think I've listened to her in any- God, no! You the heard oldest... her as a crazy-ass fucking mage or some shit in SAO recently. I didn't she was watch older. that- I didn't watch that episode. You didn't? Yeah. No, oh, I was working during through that. No. Oh, yeah. No, I only saw the last couple episodes where Koi rips his eye out and- I don't, I don't, I don't suppose uh, Saber would count, would she? That's what I was thinking. I was mm. like, Saber is probably the only, the only one. But even then, Saber's not as husky. Right. That's true. Saber still has like a kind of a youthful, because the whole thing is that Saber's the king of, uh, but like, it's like the boy who would be king, except for it's a girl. Yeah. And the less I talk about the weird fucking mythology and fate, the better. <laughs> We'd be here for a while. I don't yeah, need to bring please, up homunculus sperm. Please don't. We're um, not going to go that route today. So no, but I really liked her. And I really liked this like sense of vulnerability, questioning, and just like odd acceptance to the state of the world by the end of it. Yeah. Where she also still also kind of has a motherly tone for Sheza. Yes. And it's it's really interesting that when she's dying, Quint talks to her about like having a house full of kids, a white bird breaking bread all the time, and I'm like, you have a daughter. She's just a flower. Yep. Um, and Kari's performance is really moving. Uh, I I also took a little while to get used to Bob as Hub, but by the end of it, like I was like, Hub, how the fuck are you the last human standing, buddy? Yes. Um, Hub, how we love Hub, you, but how Hubs. I think one of my favorite favorite delivery lines of delivery he has is when he's in the truck and she's just like, you haven't sneezed. Oh, maybe I've developed an immunity to it. That's not... You know what, honey? Yes, yes, you did. It's like, you um, know what? Fuck it. It's probably fuck not it. what happened. She's just like, at this point... No, like, you can just like hear it in her tone of voice where she's like, well, weirder shit has happened. It's true. Weirder um, shit these, has happened. These last few weeks have been weird. I really liked him. I think he was probably maybe the weakest, though, of the three humans. But yeah. man... Uh, Tom Weiner as Quint. Hardy nailed it. Yeah. Where he's just this right level of stubborn old goat, and you, for a long part of the show, you don't feel any apathy. You don't feel any, like, softness for him. Mm -hmm. Until they start to try to peel back those layers. Yeah. Like, when, uh, after Darsh's keep gets blown up by Jagua, um... Cute, uh, Toboy, they find him in the snow and he's dying, but Toboy lays with him and licks yeah. his tears. And you just hear him, like, kind of in this broken voice calling for his son because he thinks it's his son laying with him. Yep. And he's got this very, like, hey, like old, kind of grumpy ass man attitude that I'm with Hardy. I don't think anybody else could ever play him but Time Winer in English. I could never see, like, Kent Williams or, or Arbus Elliott or anybody else like match up to that. No, yeah. It is probably one of the best older male performances I think I've ever seen in a dub. Like, it's so good. I wouldn't call it my favorite performance in the dub. Like, I think if you know me, everyone's gonna guess who my favorite performance in the dub is when we get to them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but he's just so good. And I think when he he finally dies mm -hmm. and he's he's brain damaged he's cold 
and he just, I think, does he, are his last words are good girl to blue? Um, no, it wasn't. I don't remember his exact last words because at that point, but, Quint was huddled up with Tubaway. Right, and he just, I just remember him just kind of like petting Tubaway in death and... Oh, no, the realization that t- that he finds out that it was Toboy who saved him in the snow. So. That's what and, killed me. And that Toboy t- just, like, his, where he's like, oh, like, just kid. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that entire scene is just so hard. And he nails it so well. Like, uh, but, like the, uh, legit, we're going to probably say this quite a few times. The last four episodes of the show will fucking hurt. For me, it started with Cher. At, like, just a little bit of tears and everything of that. When it got to Tobaway and Quint, I was gone. And I think I was gone until, like, partway through the last episode when I didn't have any more tears to cry. But still, it hurts. It really does. But, um, are you all good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, we're ready to move on to our next set of characters, and fucking hell. Oh, boy. Um, So we're going to talk about, essentially, our villains of the show. Uh, So we have Jagda. She is a noble. <laughs> She's a noble and is trying to do some shit to open paradise for the nobles, yada, yada, yada. Um, well... I'm guessing Jagger is going to be a brief conversation, but the reason why she's also here is she does play a bit of a key role because we have also Lord Darcia the Third, this fucking asshole, this oh. dick, <laughs> this asshole, fucking hell. Um, so Darcia is also a noble. He comes from a family line. Darcia the First is actually the uh, original person who created Cheza. Um, through an advanced alchemy, he wrote the Book of the Moon, which is considered a um, a banned like pagan novel of sorts. It's like it's uh, like a Bible of sorts. Essentially, yeah, but they think it's like pagan mythology bullshit, so they banned it. Um, <laughs> but the key part with it for Darcia is Darcia the First was cursed by Paradise, and that curse continued into his family line, going into Darcia the Third, and Darcia. The third, Ardarshia here. So he has a lover named Hamina. And Hamina is cursed by what's called paradise sickness, where her soul essentially gets stolen by paradise. And he's doing what he can to get it back. But, plot twist, Hamina's older sister, Jagada, fucks that shit up. And then Darshia just basically slowly but surely loses his fucking mind. Oh, boy. And he has a weird eyeball, too. Wolf's eye. Wolf's eye. Yep, that's part of the curse. Um, it's all, Side note, it's also not made clear in the show um, who specifically, but it's believed that the Darcia family is, are the, is responsible for the death and the destruction of the village of Curios, Quint's home village. Um, side note. But anyway, the individuals voicing these characters as Jagra, we have our ADR director, Miss Mary Ms. Elizabeth McGlynn, who has voiced other characters such as Major Motoko Kusanagi in Coast in the Shell Standalone Complex, um, Nor- Noriko Nuriko in Fushigi Yugi, as well as Maurice and Misha in Eureka 7. As for Darshia, this is about to be a fun conversation. Ooh. We have- 
The myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend himself. Spike Spiegel of Cowboy Bebop, Roger Smith of Bago, uh, Makoto Shishuo in Roroni Kenshin. We have the one and only Steve Bloom. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh. I don't even know where to start with this. Who wants to start? Fuck it, I'll go. I'm already go. talking. Go. Uh, Mary Elizabeth McGuinn. I was wondering where the fuck she was going to pop up in this show. <laughs> She's only in like five episodes. <laughs> no, I was, I was like waiting for her to pop up. I was like, "You're you're always in your own dubs." Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, she was fantastic and creepy as Jagara, who clearly has the hots for Darsha and is mad at her twin yep. about it. Um, like her her just delivery of if Hamina was the light and I was the shadow and I was happy about that, so good. Yes. She is just on her A-game being this creepy, satanic, like, worship woman. Yeah. Where, like, oh god, like, Jagawa's Jagawa's, uh, keep is creepy as fuck, guys. Like, she's doing blood ritual arts in the cellar. She's got wolves stuffed in jars. Yep. We haven't even touched her outfit yet. Char Audible's over here. <laughs> no, it's Char Audible's at a BDSM conference. Yeah, it's Asnable actually. What? It's Asnable. Asnable. So, sorry, Asnable at the BDSM conference. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yes. new. It's the new. It's the. Um, She's new got apo- like a fucking spiked cod piece. It's apocalyptic chic. Get with the times, God. <laughs> out there, out. What the hell is the guy? What the hell is the guy who made Mad Max? Oh, uh, I have Fuck. no clue. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to Google his name because yeah. I'm going to get hit in the face. She looks <laughs> like she just came straight from the Fist the North Star cosplay <laughs> meetup. She came from beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> she drove down Fury Road. Yeah. Yeah. George Miller. She looked like she walked out of George Miller's house. <laughs> And she sounds like it, too. Yep, it's true. Like, holy shit, man. If they ever made a live-action Wolf's Reign, she better be played by What's-Her-Nuts from uh, Fury Road. Charlie's Theron? Uh, Charlie's Theron. Yeah, dude! Charlie's Theron is Jaguar, man! <laughs> oh my god, hers Jagada would be, oh man. Oh, sweet lord. I'd, I'd be down. I'd be down for this. <laughs> Please Fuck. do not make a live-action Wolf's Reign. The show is great as it is animated. Please. I'm just saying, just at least the Ron and a Jaguar cosplay. Oh man, <laughs> oh hell yeah. Um, anyway. No, but she's just really good and really freaky, and just her like my the my paradise, and she's got this kind of weird teenage girl love struck shit to her, but she's also a teenage girl who stabbed a sword into her lover that was filled with poison. If I can't have you, no have one. You? can. No. If my own sister, my sister is dead. Her soul is gone. That's why I nuked her body. Yeah. And, and Love. she even no. she crucified she crucified Darsha's servant. Yep. Yeah, she did. She her fort, did. Who I swear to God that was Felice Sampler. No, it's it's actually Leah Sargent. Okay. It's Leah Sargent. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> that's really funny then. That, that's Leah Sargent. No, but man, I'm like imagining Jagawa sitting there like the fucking is it basic instinct where the girls at the is in the in the uh, interrogation and she's got no pants on? Yes. on? Yes. Yeah, like Jagawa's just doing that to Darsha. 
Like, why don't you want to fuck me? <laughs> it's like, maybe because you're a fucking psycho. Oh, God. And then, but Mary Elizabeth McGlynn walks the line, but she never makes her too campy. No, yeah. Which is great. And speaking of never making things too campy, holy shit, Steve Bloom. Um, <laughs> Steve is known for playing as many villains as he is as many heroes. Oh, absolutely. And Darsha is just creepy as shit. Like, he's got this level of refinement to him, but once you get to the end where Darsha's just unhinged and doesn't give a shit anymore, he is just, like, makes you want to cry scary, man. Like, Oh, man. Just, like, the part where he finally turns into a wolf. Yes. And I want to give so much credit to the Bones animation team. Is that the close-ups of Wolf Darcy's face, where he's got the dead blue eye and the golden eye, and they're, like, going wide, and you can just hear Steve losing it as an uh, actor. But... The, 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 the grin that his wolf self has as he's just uh, laughing maniacally. so fucking scary, man. Oh, that freaked me out. <laughs> but Steve is so good, and I love when he's just talking about how much he wants home in the back and mm -hmm. how he but he, he it's just it's such a weird layered performance and it's hard to just sit it's like okay well this is really good but i can't explain why it's really good mm -hmm. it just is because steve just brings this level of care and expertise yeah to the performance oh absolutely and does. that's all i've got to say hardy did you want to go next or you want me to go next you can go next i'm still parsing okay. my thoughts Okay, um, I'm gonna start with Jagada, um, cause yeah, like, Mayor, I completely forgot that Jagada's only in the show for like five episodes, and it's like, basically in the end game of the series itself, not the OVA, but the series itself, um, so there's not a lot for Jagada to do, but what Mary gets to do, oh sweet baby Jesus, um, Mary is just, where are my notes on her? Mary is just, she has like a, she seems like a very regal um, and kind of graceful figure, but like <coughs> at first, but then when you go into it a bit more and you start peeling back those layers like a, like an onion, you start seeing that she's a little bit more kooky than what Hoggers you are to. like onions. Ogres <laughs> are like onions. We have Wolves, get out of my swamp! <laughs> Shit. Um, no, but like, you can see, like, there's so many <laughs> complex layers to her. And like, the, I think one of the points that kind of creeps me out a little bit for her is when she first did that little twirling dance thing that she does and just starts laughing like, ah, <laughs> it's like, oh boy. You, you creepy. <laughs> she's creepy, she's obsessed, and, like, it doesn't go to the f full point of camp or, like, overly creepy, like, yes, you're my precious, like, that kind of deal. Um, she believes she's in the right, and that's what's creepy and scary about it. And the fact that she knows in her mind that she's in the right, and this is why she's doing it, and she's absolutely right, this is how it should go, that's what's terrifying about it. Um, and I think Mary does phenomenal, uh, even with it just being like three, four episodes for her. Uh, she did phenomenal with it. 
But, oh boy. <laughs> uh, I love Steve Bloom. I love him the fucking pieces. Holy hell. Darcia is just, oh god. <laughs> Darcia is all over the place. But at the same time, what's interesting is because Darcia slowly mentally breaks down and it gets crazier and obsessive and by the minute. But, and this is, I really have to give Steve kudos to this, he's so controlled. He has so much control over the tone of voice and the emotions that you can you can still slowly see all of this weighing him down and him just like slowly losing his grasp on everything. And it's just so, so fascinating to watch. Like, he's, in the beginning, like, he's very calming and kind of a chilling tone to him. And when we start learning more about Darcia and all this fun stuff, but then, where it definitely flips the switch was when he discovers Jagada killed Homina. And that scream of pain he has. That scream of pain that he has. I think it was, what did I write down? Episode 12. That hurt. And then it was from that point on was when it was just like slowly but surely degrading and mentally just like tumbling downhill on this this road and it's just so chilling and captivating and I love every goddamn second of it this is like legit like watching this over again this is one of my favorite villains in an anime series like and Steve's portrayal of him is just so so fantastic and you can't look away that by the time you get to the last episode, and he is a wolf now, and it's just, that's the point where he absolutely fucking lost it. Like, he still has that some amount of control to him that he's not going completely batshit, but he's like, he has this maniacal laughter, and he's just like, oh my god, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go to paradise. This is gonna be what happens. Oh my god. And then he fails, and he's like, you know what? If I can't go there, fuck all y'all. <laughs> and he ruins it for everybody. But, uh, no, like, this performance and this character is just so captivating, and Steve just portrays it. Oh, it's masterclass work on this one, I think. Just watching Darcia slowly, like, slowly degrade and just go downhill. Oh, I get chills every freaking time. It's fantastic. But anyway, um, yeah, Darcia, holy fuck. <laughs> I'm done. Hardy, what do you think of um, Steve and Mary's performances? Well, uh, at least in the real world, Jagara actually won. So, ah, that's true. Yep. Fair. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, um, I think I couldn't say it any better than you two have already said. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a bad performance from either of these actors. Mm-hmm. May well, I mean. I have listened to the original old Guyver dub, and and let's just say Steve was the best thing about that thing. Uh, oh God! But um, but yeah. Uh, as f- for as little as Jagger is actually into the dub in in the show itself, I think Mary 
was did an absolutely perfect job. She just nails that perfect level of of creepiness and and authority and arrogance uh, that Jagara is known for. And and like you already said, I'm kind of critical of Darsha as a character because mm-hmm. after he lost his his lover, uh, it seemed like he really didn't have a purpose anymore and he was just right. trying to go to pe- take paradise out of spite um mm-hmm. and the way he just dicks around all the other characters and for some reason he leaves Cher alone he doesn't bother yep. with her he doesn't he doesn't he leaves Cher alone yeah doesn't do anything yeah but um no it's just i feel like the reason he does that too is because he he has a weird i I would like to think it's because he has a weird attraction to her. Because he was very... he. There's a, a part earlier on in the series where they just spend time with each other and he mm-hmm. lets her learn all about Chezza. Yeah, because I think that's also because she wants to know the truth. She yeah, wants I think to that's know why. what... She has a fascination with what Chezza actually is, what is reality, and what... Compared to like what she's been told all these years. So I think... Darcy has yeah. a weird soft spot in like wanting to let her learn. So. Also, Hardy, mm-hmm. uh, just to your point, I think that's why uh, Darsha works as a villain. The whole idea that he's doing it all out of spite. It's the point that he is no better than the humans that he thinks he is better than. Ah, I see. That makes sense. Yeah, he he keeps calling he calls humans like unsullied uh, for paradise. That yeah, at the they're end, they're beasts that they yep. they just keep. Uh, tearing each other down and that yep. they won't that they that they won't do anything like the way that the wolves left them but in 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 that same time he's doing everything that a hu- he thinks that he is beyond human when he himself is probably the most human of them all mm-hmm. the most flawed but but yep. yeah. yeah darsha may be a flawed character but steve's performance was flawless if you mm. Yeah, uh, I mean yeah. it's it's Steve Bloom, it's Steve MF and Bloom. What I mean, what can you say at this point? So yeah, really, so good. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah. I think some of his best roles have been villainous, like Makoto Shishio or Jake Martinez from Tiger and Bunny. So that's all I have to say. Okay, so are we good to move on? Yes. It's time. It's time to talk about the best doggos ever. Yes. The best doggos. Because uh, <laughs> if this show has taught you anything, it's that super advanced cyborg weaponry is nothing compared to a large doggo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who would win? Large technologies and laser beams for angry dogs. <laughs> I mean, if we okay, want to get technical, five angry five. dogs. Five angry doggos. Three of which we're going to talk about next. <laughs> Who would win? A giant fucking demon walrus. One small wolf. <laughs> Toboy. And on this day, Toboy became a man. Yes. Bit his fucking eyeball. Anyway, speaking of Toboy, so the next three characters we're going to talk about, we have Hige, Toboy, and we're actually going to talk about Blue. We're not talking about Sumei just yet. Um, so... Uh, Blue, we kind of mentioned this a little bit forward, before when talking to Quint, but to be 100% on what, who she is, she actually was taken in by Quint's family when his son Roos found her as a pup. Uh, she later on from Chezza finds out that she has some wolf blood in her. 
Uh, she's able, she, once she learns that, she's able to become human just like the other wolves, and she joins up with them. Uh, and she has a little romance with Hige, essentially. It's kind of adorable. Uh, but she also doesn't take shit from anyone. It's fantastic. Um, Toboe is the runt of the pack. He also spent most of his life uh, being raised by a human. Um, an old woman who took care of him as a pup as well uh, until she died accidentally by Toboe. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I've and, fallen uh, and I can't get up. Toboe, I can't. I can't. You gotta get off me. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, I was so sad. I was like, oh no, he killed his owner. Yeah. I forgot that was a thing that happened. I'm like, oh, Toboe. And he, he um, killed her with love. He killed her with love. It, I don't know how po- if that's poetic or just sad at this point. <laughs> anyway, Toboe is considered the runt. He's considered the the babby of the between the four main wolves. And um, he, he goes, <laughs> he's a very interesting character. Hige, oh boy. Hige. In the beginning and through most the, the entirety of the show, pretty much, Hige is very, he kind of is self-centered, um, very funny, and very much a fatty McFatterson. He, he hangry. Porky. He, he, he porky. He's, porky. Sume calls him porky. Lovingly, no. <laughs> Just out of spite, usually. Um, but we don't actually know... Because we don't know anything about Hige's story until we get to Jagada's Keep, where we actually find out that Hige was essentially brainwashed, forgot his memories, and was tasked with a mission, essentially, to lure other wolves back to Jagada's Keep so that way her soldiers can capture them and kill them. Um, Hige not knowing this, because again, memories wiped away, essentially, and or false memories planted in, into his head. Um... And yeah, that's a whole whole fucking thing. Anyway, in terms of voicing who who voices these characters as Blue, we have Miss Jessica Strauss, who has played characters such as Gidget in Rebecca Seven, Lyra in Mega Man Star Force, and Elena in Gun X Sword. As Toboe, ah uh, yes, Moda Marshall, uh, who has voiced characters such as Motoko Aoyama in Love Hina, Ascot in Magic Knight Rayearth, and Izzy, of course, from Digimon. And speaking of Digimon, as Hige, we have Joshua Seth, who's voiced Ty in Digimon Adventure, uh, Dio Ericles in Last Exile, and Sparky in Speed Racer. Uh, Hardy, what are your thoughts on these characters? Boy, you'd never thought you'd ever hear Jury from Street Fighter IV, uh, uh, was it Tetsuo from Akira, and the mayor from South Park, all in the same dub. I kid you not. You need to explain this to me real what? quick. Yeah. I was I got I know the Tetsuo part. <laughs> no, Mona Marshall wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Mona Marshall played the female mayor from South Park for like the first few seasons. Are you serious? I, yes. I am dead as I am, you know, if I'm lying I'm dying. Oh my god, I didn't okay. know this. She's also officially the voice of Doraemon if that dub ever sees the light of day. Anyway. Yeah. And I was, I just recently, because I had no idea who Jury's voice from Street Fighter 4 was, and uh, I just recently found out it's Jessica Strauss. Oh my god. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then we have Tetsuo! Tetsuo! Oh! Kanada! Kanada! 
Oh, Kanida. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Weird irony. Never mind. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, um, Mona Marshall needs no explanation. She's pretty much just an icon at this point for playing little boy characters. Uh-huh. And so I can see... I, I She did an absolutely great job of the performance. I think Toboe might be a little bit older and, and therefore might have worked a possibly better with a male actor like mm-hmm. a younger male actor yeah but uh but i mean she's pretty much a legend at this point at playing that type of character and and uh toba way could be annoying uh, uh up to a point until he has his big walrus fight and become his balls drop um <laughs> he becomes a man he becomes a man yes um man. but uh <laughs> man God damn it. <laughs> but uh but yeah um yeah I, sh- I think she needs no explanation she she plays she plays this type of character has played this type of character for years now and she's always done a really great job so uh Jessica Strauss does not have very many voice credits or major ones no, under her yeah. belt she's she hasn't done a whole lot of of she does mainly background characters um so it was good to hear her play something more meaty for a change. Uh, and blue only really blue doesn't get her transformation until like the second half of the show. Yes. And so, but when she does show up, I think there's this, this sort of, there's sort of sweetness to her because she's not feral like the others are. She's more domestic. And so she's got this, she's got this sort of sweetness to her voice to where, yes, she'll rip your throat out, but she'll also, you know, nuzzle your neck as well because she's a dog she's half half a half and uh, yeah um but yeah no i really liked hearing jessica and i wish she'd play more meteor roles like blue um and joshua seth as as he gay it wasn't until he came back for digimon that i really wished that he hadn't largely quit voice acting right yeah because i like hearing him in more of these more of these sort of mature roles and I, I didn't grow up with Digimon so I'm not really I don't really have the attachment that a lot yeah. of other people do um but yeah uh I were I really would like to hear more of Joshua Seth in the future I know he's largely retired except for Digimon um he will come back for to play as as Ty but um yeah I I, I enjoyed hearing him as Hige and I wish I he, I wish I could hear more from him as these type of roles. Go watch Last Exile. Mm-hmm. Yes. Last Exile is another good example of a rather mature role for Joshua mm-hmm. Seth. Dio Dio is wild. Yeah. Dio is oh my yeah. god. Sad- I need he to rewatch superior- Last Exile and I need to get Andrew to watch it with me because he's actually never Last- seen yeah. it. Sad- Last Exile Dio is superior to JoJo's Dio. Sadly he got uh sadly he got replaced by Greg Ayers in the sequel dub, but it, it's all good. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Sad face. Anyway, Megan. Uh, okay, cool. So I'll start with Jessica Strauss as Blue. Uh, I thought she did a really good job. I liked her soft-spoken aspect. Uh, I really like how she straight up calls out Hige for his shit. Oh, yeah. It's um, great. She doesn't take any bullshit. I love, I love when her and Cher are like, having their girls road trip in the car. She's like, oh, that sexist asshole. <laughs> About Hige, and I'm just like, this dub would come out in today's day, and peep, and there's there's like a group of chuds who's like, oh, don't put your politics in my anime. 
And there I'm would like, also no, be a he... group of women who'd be like, yes, queen. Yes, <laughs> yes I'm one of them. Yes, yes queen. queen. God, blue is so good. I love when uh, I love when they're in this. They're in Jagua City, and those two guys try to hit on her oh, and share. And she's just like, "You're not worth my time." But she's got like this. You want to know what I also really like about the tone of her voice? What? It feels like she has a little bit of a country accent to it. Yes. Okay. Yep. I hear it. Like she's got that kind of like sweet, not city girl voice, where it's like, "Shucks, I came from the farm. You know, pops." And God, her interactions of just whenever she's talking about like pops and being with uh, Hige, because you can see their romance coming, it's just so good. Yep. Uh, I really, again, I'm with Hardy. I would really like to hear Jessica Strauss in more meteor roles. Um, oh, oh, Mona Marshall. Um, <laughs> oh, Mona Marshall. Toboy is always Toboy's death is the one that I've always been warned. Like that's where everybody fucking loses their shit. Yeah, it's true. And, like, I have a really good friend, uh, we have a really good friend of ours, uh, M. Deller, who has openly stated that the first time she, like, I think super hard weeped at an anime, it was Toboy's death. Yeah. And I, I agree with Hardy. Sometimes I do wonder what Toboy would have sounded like if they had a male actor. Um, as weird as it sounds, I feel like if this would have come out in today's day, that would have been a character played by Bryce Pappenbrook. Um. You know, it probably would have. I'm like, that's a Bryce Pappenbrook character. Um, but Mona is so iconic, like Hardy said, in these roles. And she nails Toboy's innocence, his anxiety, his adorableness. But fuck, man, I have never ha- had her make me cry. Like, not even Digimon as a kid made me cry. And there's a lot about Izzy's story that, like, really helped me out when I was a younger kid. Yeah. But Toboy taking the bullet and walking to Quint, and you can just hear how soft and whispery Mona's performance is. Because Toboy is dying. And it's just like, oh, oh no, oh, I don't like this. Yep. I don't like where this is going. Because Toboy is also one of the first of the wolves to die. Toboy is the first wolf to die. Yep. He's the first member of the pack to die. It was Toboy, then Blue, then Hige. Hige, then Sume, then Kiba, and then Kiba. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kiba dies last. Yep. But just... Fucking Mona just absolutely destroyed me in that moment. Yeah. And I was just, like... I was crying. Like, her performance drove me to tears. Mm-hmm. And speaking of driving me to tears, um, it is no secret that I really like Joshua Seth as an actor. Joshua Seth has been, like, around me watching anime since I was a kid, and I've actually met him once, and I, I would love to meet him again to sign my copy of Wolfstern in Last Exile, because if his performance as Ty is really good and iconic, I think he should be more remembered for his performance as Dio and, and, and especially Hige. Mm-hmm. He is almost flawless as Hige. He is my favorite performance of the show. Big surprise. Um... Big surprise that Megan's favorite performance and character is Hige. Mm-hmm. Hige is such a weird character because you never actually get, like, full details on what his deal actually was. Yep. And even up until his last moments, he is so all over the place as this trickster character. He is the comic relief, he is the butt monkey, but he is also this tragic figure who's been used by society, and he's got to do these moments where... 
they're in Jagawa City and he's going crazy with the cameras on him yep. and the sound. And he's gotta have he's the only wolf that gets like an actual romantic arc. And he's gotta carry that and Josh nails it in all of his performances. But when Oh god, when Blue and Hige die, it is just it I, I think it actually hit me harder than Tobaway, actually. Mm. Like Mona killed me, but just him just petting her hair and Jessica's delivery of it feels so good. And his blood is dripping down her head. Because Darsha ripped his throat, hit his throat, and he ripped her throat out. And then when he gets, and Sume finds him, and he's just like, you you gotta kill me. Yep. And Josh's delivery of having this... He has dignity in Hige's voice at his death, but he's also able to get the humor across of Hige's, like, I'm gonna crack jokes up until I fucking die. Yep. Um, and I thought Josh did phenomenal, and again, like, I love Digimon to bits. I I am with Hardy. I wish he would come out of retirement to do other shit. Yeah. Like, I I would love to hear him and, like, if there was a way, like, they could get him into, like, My Hero or of something. Oh my god, imagine him in My Hero. I would love to have him somehow get into My Hero or have... Mona get into my hero. Oh, please. Wait. Colleen. Please. Colleen, Colleen, please. Colleen, I know you're not listening, but... Um, please, Colleen. But, like, oh my god. It's it's so it's so good. And now I'm looking up who was Hige's Seiyu, because I feel like he had a really... I would just like to make a correction. Uh, I was wrong. Mona Marshall did not play the mayor from South Park. She played Kyle's mom. Oh, oh yeah. there we go. That what? what, what? <laughs> you Daisy. Good job, Hardy. Yep. You just, you just fedora. At, well, actually, yourself just now. Yep. Ah, uh, old jokes that we never use anymore. It's really funny. I'm actually looking it up, but uh, Toboy and uh, Sue uh, and uh, Hige's uh, dub sub voice actors don't do as much as their. Uh, English counter, like, just like their English counterpoints huh. don't do too much anymore. Interesting. Anyway, um, so... You're up, I'm Steph. A, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I got this, guys. Blue. Uh, Jessica's blue is... <laughs> of course, we don't get to actually meet her or hear Jessica until about halfway through or so. And boy, Jessica is just so chill and sassy, and she gives zero fucks. <laughs> like, she's all nice and a nice tone and a very fun, dy- fun um, dynamic with the boys. Like, she, she's just one of the boys, but like, she'll also, she's also the kind of girl who will choke a bitch. <laughs> She's like, don't you touch, don't you touch my dad, don't you touch my man, I will cut a bitch. <laughs> like, it's kind of fun and interesting. Like, I'm, I don't really know anything for Jessica outside of Blue, actually. Probably like very minor roles, but um, no. But I, I do love her as Blue. She's just very calming and relaxing. She's. She's a no-nonsense character. Doesn't put up with anyone's shit. Especially Hige. She does not put up with Hige's stupid 
like sexist bullshit and it's fantastic and I love every second of it. Uh, Mona Marshall is Toboey. It's interesting how Megan had said that Blue has like a sweet tone, sweet like country tone to her because like she's been with Quint and raised as like raised by humans the whole time. Toboey is kind of similar in that regard. He has a very nice light tone to him. Um, and I would probably also attribute that to the fact that he's been raised by humans the whole, his, his whole time, and he, that's the only thing he's ever known. Toboey is also just, has a big heart, and he just does a love for companionship, and is just, he's so naive, so, so naive, and he's, he's named the runt of the pack for a reason. He doesn't know, he doesn't understand how anything works, um... But god damn it, he tries so hard. Tellboy tries so fucking hard. And um, Mona just gives off that naivete, that like sweet glimmer of hope that Tellboy has. Tellboy has so much joy and so much hope to him. And he's, a, he's like, he believes, like, we're gonna make it. We're gonna get to paradise. And he does have these moments where he does question everything. Like, there was the point where they were trying to find Kiba uh, while he was high as balls. But I'm, tr- I'm doing peyote in the desert, boys! <laughs> He's high as fuck. Um, and Toboey almost essentially decides to leave the pack to stay with this group of humans that this, this traveling group of <sighs> essentially Native, Native Americans, um, Natives, uh, just so he can stay with them and be safe but not only that he doesn't want to cause problems for the others because he knows he can be a bit of a burden to them because he's he's he doesn't know anything and he kind of struggles at times um but <laughs> mona just portrays a lot of these aspects of toboy's character so so well and oh it hurt it hurt toboy made me hurt so much <laughs> when um he suddenly just bites it because Quint's an idiot. Um, Cause Quint tries tries to shoot Darcia. Quint tries to shoot Darcia. Tellboy wants to be valiant and helpful, and then nope, 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 nope. He did. Um, but yeah, he's just so so sweet and sympathetic and just hopeful. But he also has this naivete, and I think Mona portrays that so so well, and I loved every second of it. Ah. Oh. He gay. Oh, he gay. Stephanie, a few, four, five or six years ago when she did her review, if I remember right, named Sume as her favorite performance of the show. Stephanie in 2020 wants to now proclaim that he gay is her favorite performance of the show. Sume is a close second, but we'll talk about Sume in a minute. Um, Joshua's performance is just so there's so many layers to these characters and Hige is no exception Hige is the funny one he's the butt of the joke he's the fat kid basically um but he's the womanizer he's there's so many things on the surface but he's also very very complex and he's basically tormented by this society and he's a product made of this society that hates wolves and wants them to go extinct. And it's actually kind of sad when that comes up um, because 
you don't really expect it. You know, like, there's something about Hige that doesn't sit well, but you don't exactly know what it is. And Joshua just is such, does such a phenomenal job just being this snarky little idiot who, who loves his food, who loves the pretty girls, who just is in it for funsies. He's pretty much in it for funsies. He's just kind of here, because why the fuck not? But, like Megan was saying, when he hurts, he hurts. And it's, like, very poignant, and it comes across so, so well. And, uh, Sume being asked to put him down just hurt as well. The last four episodes hurt so much. <laughs> they really do. But, um, no, like, there's so much fun energy and charisma to Kige as a character, and Joshua portrays it so, so well, and... I agree with both of you. I also wish that he would sometimes come back for more anime aside from Ty. Because, like, while Ty is the role that everybody knows him for and everybody's going to remember him for, I would remember him more for things like this rather than Ty. Like, he's a phenomenal actor, and I wish more people had the chance to see that, but, um, no, all three performances are fun. I enjoy every single second of them, but yeah, Joshua Seth is probably my favorite performance of the entire show. Anyway, so I think we're good to move on, yes? Yes, ma'am. Alright, we got three characters left, but our next group has two. Uh, we're gonna talk about Sume and Cheza. So, <laughs> Sume is another wolf, he's the gray wolf, and, um, the best way to describe Sume is Edge Lord Angry Pants, I guess. <laughs> like he's an angry shithead. He's it's um, more like Sundarame. Oh, no! <laughs> you right. Yep. Um, in stereo. Now in stereo. <laughs> and I would consider if Kiba is like it's not distinguished like who the leader of this pack is. Um if Kiba is, like, the others find Kiba as the leader of the pack, Sume would be the second in command in the situation, I think. Sort of like um, the beta, uh, to compare to Kiba's alpha male, alpha wolf? Yes. yes. Sume is the beta in all this. Um, and then Sheza is the aforementioned flower maiden. She was created uh, by the Darcia family, uh, Darcia the first, out of lunar flowers and is supposed to help guide the wolves to paradise. So, playing these characters as Sh as Cheza, we have Sherry Lin, uh, who has voiced characters such as Hina Ichigo and Rosen Maiden, Sasumi Masaki in Sasi Sasumi Masaki Jurai in Tenchi Muyo, wow, and uh, Sakura Mato in uh, Dino Six's Fate Stay Night. Uh, as for Sume. ah uh, yes, I love it when we get to talk about him. Sometimes uh, we have Crispin Freeman. Who has been characters such as Alucard in Helsing, Hideki Matasuo in Shobits, and Justy Ueki Tyler in the Irresponsible Captain <laughs> Tyler. He's also the thing that'll scare the living shit out of you if you call Bright Stuff's customer service line. <laughs> yup. 
If you have never actually called Right Stuff's customer service line, it is literally Crispin Freeman screaming as Justin Uecki Tyler. Yeah. And it has never not once scared the piss Either out of me. Either that or he puts on Alucard for a hot minute at one point. It depends on what you get. You you either get Wait, Tyler, what? You can get it as Alucard? I've never so. gotten it as Alucard. I've, I've, Bullshit! I've gotten Sam Regal as Viral before. Oh my god. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think Liam O'Brien has one or two out there. Uh, I think Liam O'Brien did his character from from Code Geass. Oh God. Yes. Oh God, who the fuck was Liam O'Brien in Code Geass? He was the pudding guy, the the scientist. Rivel, Rivel. No, oh no, not Lloyd. Mm -hmm. Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd. The best part of Code Geass. Mm -hmm. Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go first because I want to piggyback off of my statement of I said f- like five years ago when I watched the show that Crispin Freeman was my favorite performance. <laughs> um, and I mean, why wouldn't he be my favorite back then? Um, God, Crispin Freeman, it, it, Chris, Crispin Freeman does Crispin Freeman as Crispin Freeman <laughs> as Sume. Um, this is definitely like normal Crispin Freeman that I'm used to. Um, if you watch Chobits, Chobits is the weird one. That I was just like, what is this? I've never heard Crispin Freeman like this. This underpants. This is a return to form for Crispin Freeman to me. Um, even though this is probably Donner possibly the same t- around the same time as Chobits actually um, maybe later uh, who knows but um, no Sume is just he's mad he's he's angry he's a little angry shithead <laughs> but um it's interesting because he he <laughs> trying to find the right words to describe this actually he generally doesn't Care in the beginning, you feel you feel you see that he doesn't give a shit. In the beginning, you you see that Sume just doesn't care about anything or anyone, just himself, because he's using these he's he he's seen as part of a gang of humans, and he's like raiding these these um transport units for nobles carrying food and everything, um, and he doesn't give a shit. He cares all about himself. He cares about surviving, and that's it. Um. But once he joins with Kiba and the others, and the more he gets to be with them, the more he, like, he finds it's okay to rely on them. Um, especially after he and Toboy were attacked by, <laughs> attacked by the giant robot with lasers. Because um, Sume is injured during that, after trying to help, like, get Toboy to safety. Because Toboy is an idiot. Um, but... He learns to kind of, like, loosen up a bit more and rely on the rest of them a bit more. And the dynamic between the four of them in general over time becomes more of this cohesive pack. Like, relying on each other, looking out for each other, taking care of each other. And um, Sume, I think he gets hit hard the most towards the end once everybody starts dying. You wouldn't expect it, but he actually does get hit the hardest. He gets hit very hard after Toboe dies because he had the strongest connection to Toboe and helping take care of him. And then the, again, we mentioned this when we were talking about Hige. He's the one who was asked to put Hige down. And he doesn't want to do that, but he does it reluctantly. So by the end of it, you go from this like 
tough as nails, like, I only care about myself kind of guy, to this is my pack, this is my family. And it hurts. It really hurts seeing that progression with his character. And Crispin portrays that so, so well, and I love every second of it. He's, he's gruff and, like, tough nails on a chalkboard kind of voice, but it works so well for this character. Um, that And even in the quiet, softer, quiet moments, it just, it, it works so well. Uh, Sherry Lynn is Cheza. Sherry Lynn is very interesting. So Sherry and Bob as Hub, um, those two are the two that I think took the, uh, took the, longest time for me to try and adjust to their voices and their characters and what they're trying to do um in Cheza's case and in Sherry's case there's a more distinct reason for it and I think it's because of Cheza as a character herself because she's just this weird otherworldly being she always refers to herself in essentially a third person mm-hmm. referring to herself as this one she never refers to herself by name um and she seems very otherworldly and just very out there and just like like it's it's like it's 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 like it's a feeling like your head's in the clouds that's what i'm trying like just like that feeling but like in a tone of voice essentially if that makes sense um but it took a little bit because i think i think probably because she is manufactured by humans um that trying to understand the direction that this performance was going, um, it took a little bit. It, it it was stilted a little bit at times, but towards the end of it, once you really like get more of the bigger picture and get more of the understanding of what Chesa is and everything like that, it works. Similar with Hub, once you get past that little bit of rough stiltedness, it gets better and I think it works by the end. Um, but... It's weird to say, in a dub as fantastic as this, Sherry, I think Sherry and Bob were the two weakest performances to me of the of the whole show, but that's also saying something with a whole fucking stellar cast, honestly. So that doesn't mean a lot. Um, but yeah, both performances, I enjoyed them very, very well. Um, Crispin, of course, second favorite performance now of the entire show. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. I'll let her to go last. Okay. Do it. Um, I'd like to point out that I'm looking up uh, the seiyuu for Sume. Mm. <laughs> Fun fact, uh, that's All Might in Japan. Really? Yeah. Huh. Now well I can, now I want to hear Crispin Freeman as All Might. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, shit. That would be insane. Yeah, he's um, he's also a uh, Torque in Radiant. Mm. Hmm. Okay. In the Japanese version of, and the uh, sub for Radiant. Uh, he's also, like, I'm just going through, like, all the things that he's been in there. He's also, uh... uh who the hell was Takaoka in Assassinations Classroom again? Takaoka? Uh, Takaoka. Oh, God! He was that fucking guy! He was that fucking guy! Was he fucking creeper teacher, dude? Yes! Okay. With a knife? Yeah, the one that the one that tried to fight that made Nagisa fight him in the pit. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the dad guy that was played by Justin Cook. Ah, uh, yes. I was about to say that was Justin Cook, yeah. right? 
I was like, yeah, Jessica. I was like, who the fuck is that guy? And I saw his picture. I was like, oh god, that guy. <laughs> I haven't watched Assassination Classroom in years, and I was like, that fucker. Man, I this think asshole. I'm gonna rewatch this. Fuck, I think I want to rewatch Assassination Classroom. Anyway, um, uh, let's start out with uh, Cheza. Uh, yeah, Cheza was probably like, I don't think it's a bad performance that Sherry Lynn did, but it's also not my favorite performance. Mm -hmm. She's very soft, uh, very creepy, very. There's like a doll-like quality to her. Mm. She seems like something that she seems she has the frailty and stuff down, and I do think when she's dying in the very end and her body explodes into seeds all over her, all over the ground, uh, I think she did a great job there. Um, I just don't really have a lot to say about her performance otherwise, just because it was so subdued and very childlike and stuff. Mm. And compared to the rest of the cast, especially the wolves, she also doesn't get a lot of screen time and gets kidnapped a lot in the second half of the series. Yeah, she gets, gets kind of put all over the place. She kind of gets put in a fridge for for a long sections of the show. Yeah, and then when she's out of the fridge, she's basically fucking dying, yeah. so she doesn't talk for. So like you see her talking, but you never hear anything comes out because her body is too weak to speak. Yep. Um, but man, Crispin fucking Freeman, everybody. There is a reason that Crispin is the man, the myth, the legend. Mm -hmm. um, up there with Steve Blum. <laughs> up there with Steve Blum. Uh, he is he is really good. Uh, I would say, though, that like if this was done in today's day, I would like a person of color to play Sume, mm -hmm. because he is. What do you, like, what would you say that Sume... What what race do you think Sume is? Would you say like he's an Okat? What'd you say? I thought he was. I thought he was Latino, actually. Yeah, he could be like Okinawan because they're all supposed to be based on yeah. Japanese. And Okinawans tend to be darker skinned than. Uh, That's true. Yeah. But, and there are also darker skinned Japanese right. people. Uh, he's based off a gray wolf. Like I mean, Sume is, is a, a Mexican. Wolf. Yeah, Sume is a gray wolf. Hige is a Mexican wolf, and uh, Toboe is a red wolf. And then Kiba's the white wolf. Yes. Um, or an Arctic wolf. Yeah. So, but um. God, other than that, Crispin's performance is literally flawless. Mm. He is phenomenal in this. But it's Crispin Freeman. Even in his early days, that guy was nailing it, knocking it out of the park. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, 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 it's hard to criticize it. He has this level of gruff. Um, he has this level of, like, being the tough guy, the male Sundere, but at the end of it, He's absolutely emotional and broken into it. Mm -hmm. And God, Crispin's performance when he's talking to Toboe's corpse yes. is some of the best Crispin Freeman work I've heard in like forever. Mm -hmm. Just when he's got his hand on his head and he just runs it over his body and he goes, you've gotten bigger. You think I would have noticed you were such a scrawny small yep. thing. I was the one that was closest to you and how could I not like yeah notice this about you and you can hear it in his voice where at the very beginning of the show where crispin is talking to uh brianna sadal's character to which hi brianna sadal uh you're in this show for like an episode and a half and then die <laughs> um you get you get fucking mufasa too yeah um yes. the way he talks to that care that child character because very much he get uh Toboy is very much like that kid. Yes. Compared to to how he died to when Toboy dies where he doesn't really care about this kid cuz he's a human and he doesn't think about it and then you hear him open up about how the reason he got the scar in his chest was because he ran away and yes. let everybody die 
and he's kind of living with this this front of guilt. And then just him him watching Hub die, he reaches his hand out, and then where where he puts Tobe away down, he puts a Hige down, and then his just final words to to suit to to, to Giba, where he's like, I just I just need to sleep for a little while. Yeah. And he's got that big tough guy kind of gruff in his voice to the very end, and it's just so good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It, mm-hmm. Every one of these performances just, they, like in the last four episodes, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts so much. Like a wolf bite. Yep. yep. Anyway, Hardy. Yes. Um, I think Sume could easily be summed up as no talk me, I angie. <laughs> I angie, I need foods. Yes. I'm angry. Uh, yeah, but he is definitely the Sundere of the group. Uh, it's like, it's not like I want to go to paradise with you, Baka. Paradise or anything, Baka. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's like you guys have said, it's Crispin Freeman. And while I have heard some of Crispin's earlier roles that weren't that great, um, I I have to say he was the only, one of the only good things out of the Utena dub. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's Crispin Freeman. We've heard the man so many times before. We know what he can do. Yeah. And I'd say that as a gold standard for a character, Sube is probably the best example of his best all-around work. Like, yes. He's not he's not hammy like uh like Alucard. He's yep. not uh you know, batshit crazy like Hideki. Hideki, yeah, and he's not um, all flowers and 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 uh, and um, what is a good British accent, British character that he's done? I keep forgetting. <laughs> oh, oh, he was he was Joker in um, in Read or Die. Oh, yeah. Again, or orange, him. which is or orange. Uh, oh yeah, an orange. Yeah, I'd say. Orange. I'd say that. Oh, there's Shizuo. Shizuo Heiwajima. She. About him too. Yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not. Sume isn't hammy like all those. He's just yeah. well-rounded as a yes. performance. I think if you were to hold up Crispin Freeman and say, "Give me the most well-rounded character he's voiced," I'd probably probably, probably be Sume. Oh yeah, absolutely. Would yeah. Keon be the second? Yeah. Would you say? Who would be number two? Ah, I don't know. Well, Megan probably, was just saying Kion, actually. Kion would be second. a good one, and also, what's his na- face from Last Exile? Not Harlock. Um, oh! Oh! Ro! Yeah. Captain yes, Ro! Yes, Captain Ro. Oh, God, that guy was so fucking hot, too. <laughs> it's Megan. Let me lust over Do you have no, a Harlock not. fetish, Megan? No! <laughs> I, I, I know I'm jumping in here for a second on your thoughts, and I know you need to talk about Chesa. You know what would be fun? What? Talking about the irresponsible Captain Tyler. Oh, yeah. God, shut up. <laughs> I ha- Captain I Tyler. the series. You know what? That would be fun. Should we do... Captain Tyler obsession. Should we do an episode? Uh, if you do, you can't do it with me. You'd have to... I think you'd have to get lack. Yeah, all. absolutely. Oh, my God, yeah. I'd yeah. be down for that. We should figure that out. Anyway, okay, Anyways, back to you. Back to you. Back to me. Um, and as far as Chesa goes, uh, I have, I'm not really too familiar with Sherry Lynn's other performances. Um, she sounds... I think it's fitting. I know that Chesa can be very robotic and doll-like, but I think 
It's just like uh, Michelle Ruff in Chobits, it works. Mm-hmm. Because in this particular, you have to remember that Cheza is not human. Um, so her sounding human isn't really to be expected. And I think while this can get grating at times, uh, it's fitting. And so I have to say it works. It is one of the, I, I hate using the saying weaker performances, but in an all around otherwise stellar dub, it's, it's, it's by no means a, uh, a, a bad thing. No. Yeah. Like I was saying that too, like. I would say the weaker performances for me are Sherry and Bob, but that's, like, also in a very stellar dub, and even then it's like, that doesn't seem like an accurate description at all, in all honesty. <laughs> they were just a little bit rough in the beginning, that's it. Um, right. No, but I think you are right, like, w- even though Sheza sounds, like, robotic or, like, doll-like, that's the whole point of the character. Right. So and there, and you have to remember... You have to remember she does get put in a tank for large sections of the show where she doesn't speak, so. Yeah, it's sometimes it's voiceover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's just, like, in Kiva's mind, like, Kiva, Kiva. The way you said that reminded me of, Charlie, let's go to Candy Mountain, Charlie. Candy Mountain, Candy Mountain Charlie. Hold on a second. Kiva. Fuck. Let's go to paradise, Kiva. Ah, <laughs> uh, they took my freaking kidney. <laughs> Kiva. <laughs> no, even better. Ah, oh, they took my freaking eyeball. <laughs> That's Darcia, though. Ah, right. oh, they took my freaking eyeball. Anyway, um, speaking of Kiva, are we good and ready to move on to our last character? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So. The leader of the pack, the one who is destined to open the gates of paradise, and I guess rule paradise according to the show, um, Kiba, or White Wolf. A.K.A. Wolf, wolf Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> not wrong. Um, not wrong. Uh, so, yes, long story short, Kiba is in charge of this ragtag group of outcasts, uh, and instinctually is trying to get to paradise because that's the only thing he knows and the only thing he knows and wants to do right now um he can be very stubborn and he's very prideful uh as exhibited in the first episode uh where he basically gets mad <laughs> like sume and hige is like why are you a human are you throwing you're throwing away your pride as a wolf it's like Kiva, shut up we're just trying to survive <laughs> we don't want people to kill Kiva, us i don't want to get picked up Kiba, I don't want to get attacked by the feds. Kiba, I actually want to live to see tomorrow. Thank you very much. Kiba, there's this drunk old guy with this giant-ass revolver shooting at us. I'd rather not. (laughs) I'd rather not. (laughs) Fuck you, fight me. Um, Anyway, uh, Kiba is voiced by another person I would think we would like to call the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, Mr. Johnny Young Bosch. Who has voiced other characters such as Vash the Stampede in Trigun, Lelouch Lamprouge in Code Geass, and Haruto Sakaki in Witch Hunter Robin. He also really loves pancakes. <laughs> wait, wait, what? I know exactly three. Jump, jump, bacon! I know, I know at least three people will actually get that reference, but continue. Is it chomp, chomp, bacon? 
Oh no, not Chomp. Well, that yeah, he's also a delicious p uh, piece of bacon. I'm very confused. I'm right very now. confused. Uh, I'll send you the link afterwards. But hey there, I'm Chomp Chomp Bacon, and I just oh, love no, eating bacon. No. I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about Pop Team. <laughs> but the pancakes part, I don't understand. I'll explain um, it later. I forgot about Chomp Chomp Bacon. <laughs> but, uh, in the weirdest role that you can never hear Johnny and Bosch ever... You, you can never pick up Johnny and Bosch S. <laughs> ever. Chomp Chomp Bacon. Uh, anyway. Uh, Megan, how about you go first? Jesus, Kibo. For five seconds, could you shut up about paradise? Um, <laughs> Not wrong. Take a shot every time the word paradise is said. No, you take will a shot die. Every, no, 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 you no. will die. No, specifically, take a shot every time Kiba talks Kiba about paradise. About oh yeah. You will fucking die. You, your just liver, like every character in the show. Your liver um, will die just like Quint. Or, or every single character. <laughs> During the show. Yes. Uh, no, man. Everyone kind of really associates Johnny with like more like. Oh, God, I can't even say everybody associates Johnny with hot blooded characters because that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny has this wide range that I think a lot of people like to stereotype him into, like, just certain characters. Like, oh, he's Vash. Oh, he's Lelouch. Oh, he's Ichigo. Yep. But, like, give the guy, like, a mile to show off his drama acting and he's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, this... And you can say, oh, well, Code, Code Geass is dramatic. Code Geass is over the top as fuck, guys. Mm -hmm. Like, Code Geass is about as subtle as a brick through your window. <laughs> um, like, holy shit. Like, I get to talk about soon for reasons. Uh, another performance of Johnny's that I really like that I think is in uh, a similar ish vein to Kiba. But again, that's, that particular work also falls into the about as subtle as a brick to the, uh, as a bag of hammers on your head mm -hmm. yeah. territory. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at very gay art of that character right now in my room. Um, <laughs> I think I know which one it is, right? You should know exactly what it is. I <laughs> so should. Everybody watching, so everybody watching this. Um, but Johnny in this show is this such this weird character where like you feel like Kiba's omni omnipotent ob omnipotent thank you omni uh, omni stone <laughs> but he's omni not. slash omni slash <laughs> <laughs> omni slash omni slash it's Aerith with the chair to your heels <laughs> fuck <laughs> it's Cherith Painsboro <laughs> whoops anyway sorry Cherith Painsboro just like this show to my heart. Oh, yes. Shot through the heart, and you're too late. You give love a bad name. Guess who also got shot through the heart? Ah, Kiba. No, Toboy. <laughs> also true. <laughs> sort of Darship, but he walked it off. Um, it was just a scream. He walked it off for a while. He got better. I got better. Did you know that becoming a furry makes you immune to getting shot in the heart? Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> uh, <coughs> uh, no, but Johnny is so... It's so different from what I remember Johnny Bosch playing. Mm -hmm. Like, granted, I don't think I've heard him... Kiba doesn't speak soft, but he also doesn't, like... He's not like... Ah! 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 Ah
Where did that come from? I'm wondering. I don't know. <laughs> Lelouch Lamper is just turning into Farad Batheroid. Ooh, Dasha, my boy. Oh, God. Oh, Suzaku boy. <laughs> come spin in my direction. Jesus Christ. I'm at soup. Why are you buying clothes at the soup store? Fuck you. <laughs> and oh, I just boy. love to eat bacon. <laughs> We have to get to paradise. <laughs> why have you, why have you thrown away your pride as a wolf? I can't breathe. <laughs> Fuck. I can't breathe. I've got backstroke for days. Stop it! Stop it! I can't breathe. <laughs> oh, <my> wolf. <laughs> Ooh! Look Dio, at my zombie toe. Oh my dog. God, I fucking love you too, and I love when we get to do these OG episodes together. You're the fucking best. I'm trying to think Fuckers. of another Johnny Bosch role I can fucking ruin for you right now. <sighs> oh, Vash, just stampede. <laughs> love and peace, <laughs> Mika boy. Jesus Christ. Anyway, back to back to what I was actually talking about. Um. Oh God. Okay. Oh God. Uh, Johnny as Kiba is just such a anomaly i think for me in in listening to his voice over like the years mm -hmm. I've, I've come to associate johnny with like god you know what it is what it's makoto from free if he was emo as fuck you know yeah i see it but I yeah it. but like but kiba isn't emo kiba has this it's so weird for a guy who is so who has such this controlled rage and aggression he never sounds down and out about things yes he is always so hopeful up until the very end and johnny's saying the speech about paradise is just so beautifully well done there's just the sense of dis there's the sense of sadness but not despair in his voice yeah and he has to carry that throughout the entire show and he has these moments of aggression and these these things where he's got to come to realize his own destiny, and Johnny does it perfectly. Uh, this might be one of my favorite performances of his of all time. Okay, mm -hmm. Hardy. Uh, yeah. Um, like back when I was saying about Crispin, if you want, I would say that his performance as Kiba is the most well-rounded per mm -hmm. uh, performance. Just like uh, just like. Crispin with Sume. He never goes too over the top. He never gets overly dramatic. Uh, it's just a good, solid example of of Johnny's perform of Johnny's capabilities. Um, as to whether it's he's my, one of my favorite Johnny performances, I wouldn't <laughs> say. Uh, but it is one of his easily one of his most solid and most uh, ex um, what is it accessible. Yes. Like I don't, yes. I don't think you could listen to this, and I don't think anyone could listen to this and say it is a bad performance. And I, I, I don't think. I th I wish more sub elitists would give this dub a try because I think it would change some, at least some of their minds. Oh, I would think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like people always say, "Hey, I hate dubs, but the one good one is is Cowboy Bebop." Then you know, show them this. And and they they might change some minds. Then then again, you have some sub elitists who her heads are so far up their asses they can count their own teeth. But um, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. All I can say is, yeah, this is. People associate him with Vash, and I was actually one of the per 
one of the few who think his Vash wasn't all that great, mainly because it was just his first performance ever. Mm-hmm. But I'd say that this is the one, if his Vash, his Vash the Stampede role was his crawl so that Kiba could run. <laughs> Vash the Stampede walked so that this bitch can run. Yeah, so that, yeah, and he literally does run in the credits of every episode. Yes. Yes. And you feel the gravity of it all afterwards. God, that song is so fucking good. Oh, uh, Maya Sakamoto, my heart. I still my like heart. Stray better, but I mean, that's... Stray weird. is also fantastic. Okay, to be fair, my actual favorite song in the entire show is Heaven's Not Enough. <laughs> oh, my heart. Yoko Kano, oh, okay. brilliant. Okay, Heaven's Not Enough is my favorite song with lyrics. My favorite song in the show that doesn't have lyrics is uh, Go To Rakuen, mm. which is the song that plays... Sorry for the massive spoiler alerts. Where Kiba lays dying and it starts raining. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know the wolf's the rain part of the wolf's rain. Right. Haha. <laughs> um. No. Yeah. Yoko Kano. Oh, beautiful master. I oh, love it. Um. Anything else, Hardy? That's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That leaves me. Um. The. I don't have a ton more I can add compared to what the two of you have said. Um. But Kiba as a character is very prideful, is very instinctual, is very, like, he's very hard-headed, too, and stubborn. Because, um, <coughs> um, again, he wants to find paradise. He wants to find paradise. He doesn't give a fucking shit about anything else. Granted, over time, he actually does care and is willing to go after, like, other things at the time instead of needing to go to paradise like what's a good example of it what what was it it was um he caught the scent of lunar flowers again and who was he trying to save i think it was was it toboy or sume it was one of those two probably sume more than likely I think it's happened on a couple of different occasions where he goes back to help Sume. Um, Because as as stubborn and prideful as he is, throughout the course of the show, I think Kiba also learns what it means to be part of a pack and part of this family. Because his family basically was taken from him when he was a baby. And he didn't have anything or anyone to rely on except for this... um, an older native man who basically took him in and raised him um, and taught him different things. And it's just very interesting how that works. I'm going to agree with Hardy that if you're looking for a well-rounded Johnny Young Bosch performance, this is definitely one that you want to see. Um, Because there's just so much emotion and complexity. The same can be said for all these characters. There's so much emotion and complexity with these characters, and these performances are just outstanding just every second of it and Johnny in particular <clears throat> he has every aspect of the sh- the sh- of Kiba's character down because Kiba sees the world for what it is I think Kiba sees the world for what it is as an outsider's perspective of things and it's growing and learning about these different things along the way because if he's the outsider perspective, you have Sume, who's the basically the ghetto perspective, I guess, for lack of better words. Um, then you have Tobway, who is more of the human aspects 
um, in that perspective. And then he is just he gay, I guess. I don't know. The, but um, the more brainwashed perspective, I suppose. He gay is the one who's just damaged by society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the damaged. He's the damaged character of the group. That's mm-hmm. where it is. Um, you just don't know it until later on. Anyway, um, no, but I think Johnny's performance, he nails so many aspects and complexities with this character, and it's just so interesting. And um, I actually find it very interesting and love the fact that you mentioned, um, Megan, the opening bit and the last bit of the show where he talks about searching for paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, a fun thing that I found out during the casting interviews with the Japanese cast Mamoru Miyano had said, and this was very early on in the recording stages when these interviews were done, that that first bit in the first episode was the difficult, most difficult part for him to try. I would imagine out. show because, like, I, if that's the first thing you have to record is that very scene where you don't know what's going on, and I actually think now that I think about it, it's actually the last scene in the show played first, and then it's like in media res. I think that's the right term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can understand because he, Mamoru Miyano had mentioned like nailing just the right tone and the softness and the complexity of just that one scene and just making it flow effortlessly. Like he did, had to do multiple takes on it. So I'm imagining the same probably had to be done with Johnny. <laughs> like, because Kiba is just an interesting character and I love Johnny's portrayal of it. I love this dub in general. I really do. But yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with Hardy that if you want a, again, same with Crispin, if you want a well-rounded performance from Johnny on Wash, you have to watch him as Kiba. Um, and I think I'm also in the camp with Megan that this is probably at least one of my favorite Johnny on Wash performances ever. Um, cause yeah, <laughs> it, it, Vash was the one who walked so that Kiba could run. <laughs> Like, legit. And he kept running. And he kept and he running it. and running. And <laughs> all the gravity just... Ugh. Anyway, uh, moving on. I think we're done. We should move on to final thoughts, yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Final thoughts on the dub of Wolf's Reign. Do we like it? Do we hate it? Do we love it? Does it still hold up now? Uh, Megan, what do you think? Uh, I think that Cherith Painsborough specifically wrote this dub. Uh, no, this show and this dub. No, that's not true. Um, I absolutely love this dub. I am very happy that I watched it, though, at the age that I'm at, which is, at the time of this recording, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a younger me would have appreciated the amount of work and artistic uh, value that the show has. Yeah. Um, this show may be confusing. This show may be dry. But I'm going to give the staff at Bones and its director, whose name I looked up and now I don't fucking have. Daisato? Um, no, not no, da- Daisato. No, Daisato did not direct this. Oh. He just wrote a couple of the episodes. Oh, okay. You no, this are talking about Tensai uh, Okamura. I got it. Okamura. Yes. Tensai Okamura, who did other works, uh, including... I'm trying to think of other stuff that he directed. Because he did a lot of... He did direct Project Blue Earth SOS. Uh, he was the director of Darker Than Black. He did a couple episodes of Blue Ex. He's the main. Exorcist. He's the director of Blue Exorcist. So, yes. See, he uh, directed the Cowboy Bebop movie. Yep. 
Yes. Darker than black. Uh, bu- 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 bu. I'm just looking really yeah. quickly. Uh, he was the director of Memories Episode 2 Stink Bomb. He, oh my god, director of Metabots, if you can believe it. God bless. Yeah, so uh, Tensai Okamura's Wild Ride is, and like I said, I was yes very every so often. Ah, there you are, Daisato. Um, <laughs> he wrote a lot of he lot of wrote a lot of the really good episodes though. Um, I I think he wrote I think he wrote the finale episode. Uh, he wrote seven episodes. He wrote twenty six, which is the end of the main series. He didn't touch the OVAs. It looks like right. He did. He did write. He wrote the last episode of the main series where Jaguara dies. Hold stuff. on, let me just double check the. Yeah, Keiko Mo- Nobumoto did um, the, the OVAs. OVAs with some help with a few others, but Daisato's not one of them. Yeah, no. But anyway, um, my point is that I respect this show. Like I respect uh, Katsuki Ikane for Stars Align, which is these motherfuckers dug their heels in and said, "We are fucking ending it our way, and we don't give a shit mm-hmm. about what anybody else thinks." Yep. Um. So as a piece of art, this show is like it is a hauntingly beautiful look at life, the human struggle, uh, what really is paradise, who deserves to go there. And this dub walks that very fine line, and it comes out so beautifully. Like, this dub holds up mm-hmm. almost 20 years later. Yeah. Um, it is impeccably done. It is some of the actors on this finest work. It is something that I think that you, even if you don't like the show, it's worth the 30-episode watch. Especially as a dub fan, just to respect the work that went into it. Oh, absolutely. Uh and if you're a sub only fan, it's also worth the watch to put the respect that the Japanese team put into this. Yep. Um, I it, it's it's one of it is my absolute favorite Yoko Kano score at this point. Um, that being said, please watch the living shit out of this. The dub is fantastic. I think it is one of the best dubs I've ever watched for the show. Awesome. All right, Hardy. How about you? How do you feel about the uh, dub of Wolf's Rain? The dub is great. The everything, all the performances sound phenomenal the acting is great uh the script i do have a few issues with it but overall works it's it is what i would consider easily in the top 10 of best dubs of all time okay my feelings towards the show itself okay this is what i'm curious about yeah okay as you know this was one of the three shows or or few shows that I specifically chose not to watch because of the fandom. Uh, well, not necessarily the fandom in this case. I just I felt like it was too big and I didn't need to bother with it. Um, come, coming back and watching it in 2020, now that I have actually watched it, I can easily say I did not love it. Okay. Reasons being, I think at times it was confusing. Mm-hmm. I think there were too many questions left unanswered. Mm-hmm. And why wolves? Why specifically take this one animal mm-hmm. and focus on it? It doesn't explain how they're able to do the illusion trick. We never find that out. Um, it doesn't explain why apparently wolves were the original creatures and humans evolved from them, which that's, that's, doesn't make sense. It it doesn't go into the backstory of the war. It doesn't explain how everything, 
reincarnates how many years later and, and man the humans got chewed out on the reincarnation we get to see all the wolves come back but none of the other characters which not all the wolves we don't see blue yeah well my my actual theory about that is that um in the reincarnated world that quint is toboy's dad okay that'd All be right. cute well some were speculating that the kitten was blue and that the flower was Cheza. right yeah <laughs> but i mean i i know that show some shows are supposed to leave things up to the imagination mm-hmm. with this one in particular i do wish it answered more questions than it did you think it left it too much up to the imagination for open interpretation. Right, right. And during okay. the and during the entire like there were so many questions I wanted to answer and it just said, "Hey, just make up your own, whatever. Do it." Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like That's fair. I can respect this show. The music is wonderful, the animation is stunning, the dub still holds true mm-hmm. 16 years later. I just gotta say, Wolf's Reign is not my favorite as a show. And it, I respect that. I yeah. respect At that least... too. It, it Wolf's Reign is a very heavy, hard-hitting show, very complex, but yeah. it can be confusing, and it's not going to be for everybody. And and the like I said, the scenes of animal abuse are painful to watch. I was yeah. the reason that I put off watching this show so much is because one of the episodes I caught on a whim, I forget if it was on a live stream back in the day or if it was on Adult Swim, was the scene It was Adult Swim. Well I mean I think they they uh someone streamed it. I think it might have mm-hmm. been Hazer Otaku back in the day. It might have been, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but it was the scene where they go to the city and the pack of wolves was hiring themselves out. Yes. Okay. And, you, yes. and the old wolf just old sort man, of yep. keels over in the middle of it, and they're whipping him. And I'm like, like I can't watch this. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, that scene was hard to watch. And it's yeah, hard. it's yeah. First, so for years, I said, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna bother with this. And uh, and it wasn't until uh, we decided that we were gonna cover it for the birthday it episodes. It wasn't until I decided, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to do Wolf's Rain because mm-hmm. happy b- birthday dub talk. <laughs> yeah. This is how my life works. Right, um, yeah. Well, you two watch Gunsmith Cats for me, so I figured I might as well uh, get... Aww. Yeah. So, now so, I... I get the kind I get the kind of chill birthday episode for this Out of podcast. the three OG picks, yours is the most chill and relaxing. Right, right. <laughs> like, but it's also still really freaky. Yeah. Like, Hardy's is action-packed. Mine is just weird, complex philosophical bullshit and yours is just like chill mm. <laughs> mine is uh mine is chill time and body horror yeah. yours is chill time sweet dream lullaby body horror yeah. or so Megan's favorite thing so i can finally i can finally check this one off on my uh t- watch list now i just have to finish evangelion and eventually force myself through death note so i i don't think i ever want to watch evangelion yeah just- i don't want to watch death note again it's garbage show i'm I'm okay watching death note like give me give me like another 10 years maybe i'll revisit it for some fucking reason just just license rescue monster so we're all happy okay guys please 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 please, please. i want oh my god sorry (laughs) that's i want that so bad um anyway that's it for me go ahead steph uh, no i appreciate that like because yeah wolf's reign is a show that's not gonna be for everybody absolutely not like People are gonna absolutely love it, like me, and I know Megan really enjoyed it. But there are people gonna that are gonna and I, that are that are gonna just be like a little 
off-putting to people, um, either because the story is a little odd, like there's more questions than answers, and it doesn't. It's, I can understand, and I respect that. Um, so this show means a lot to me, um, because, like I said in the beginning, this is the show that helped me discover what anime actually was at the ripe young age of. How old was Babby Steph? She would have been 14, probably, because this originally was in Japan in 2003. She would have been 14, 15 years old at the time. Um, and discovering what anime actually is. And this show is always going to have a special place in my heart because of that. Because uh, it helped me discover who the, the nerd I am today. <laughs> it's weird to say, but here I am, boys and girls. Um, but this show is, I think, the show itself is just beautiful and it's just so haunting and it's just so complex and so many layers to it. Um, I do, I, I also see the flaws that Hardy was mentioning before of it being a little confusing, that there's more questions than answers to some things, like what the hell is happening? I understand it. Um, but... I think for me, the most enjoyment I get out of it is just the journey in and of itself. The journey to get where these outcasts are going to. The journey to help them find paradise. And I think that's what really draws me in, and I get really attached to that. Um, in terms of the dub itself, oh my god. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. Like my only criticisms of it are a couple stilted lines, maybe one weird mis one weird pronunciation of Jagada, and just a little bit of rough stilted performances from two characters, but this is also in a dub that's outstanding. Like, it's... I can't even really say that those two performances are like the weakest of the bunch, because they are also still outstanding. It's just those one small flaws. But, um... No, this is beautifully written, this is beautifully directed, this is beautifully cast, this is beautifully performed. It's... It's... I would tell people to go watch Wolf's Rain at least once. This is one of those shows that I feel like everybody should watch at least once. Just to say that they did. Mm. I love the death out of the show and I will tell people to watch it like so many times. But I also, again, I also understand that it's going to be a bit off-putting and some people aren't going to like it. But I think you should at least watch the show at least once to say you have seen it. Because it, I think it's that beautiful. Um, and if, in terms of Mary, Mary Elizabeth McGlim doves, if Bebop was what started a standard, a, a new standard for how English dubs should be, Wolf's Reign solidified it like solidified it and just out I think it outshines Bebop so easily and it has amazing performances and amazing well-rounded performances from a bunch of voice actors but um no at the end of the day please go watch Wolf's Rain at least once <laughs> you may not love it it's not gonna be for everybody but at the end of the day it's a beautiful show and it's a fantastic dub, and I think everybody at least should watch it once. Mm -hmm. um, so where can we watch it, Steph? 
So, in order to watch Wolf's Reign, um, there's a couple different ways. So, currently, as of the recording of this episode, it is licensed by Funimation. Uh, it was formerly licensed by Bandai until Bandai shut down in, what was it, 2013, 2012, something like that? Something like that. Um, and Funimation picked it up uh, three or four years later. Uh, it is currently streaming on their web, on their streaming service, Funimation Now, uh, as well as there is a Blu-ray DVD combo pack edition of Wolf's Rain. I think there's a couple. I think there's like an, a classics release of it too now. Mm-hmm. There might be. There is. I have, there is? Okay. Mm-hmm. There is. I have the original release that they did. Yeah, the, the classics, I believe, is Blu-ray only. Okay, I have the DVD. I have the original DVD Blu-ray combo pack um, with the little which is gorgeous, by the way. The render, the Blu-ray rendering on this show is oh my god, is beautiful. Fun, fun fact: they uh, the Funimation Blu-ray is the only official Blu-ray. They don't have one in Japan, I don't believe. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I think I remember hearing something like that. Um, but anyway, just as also a heads up to, to folks at home, um, we said Wolf's Reign is 30 episodes, so it's technically 26 episodes and a four-episode OVA, uh, but they are all together. And as a heads up, because we didn't really talk about it that much, the reason why there's a four-episode OVA is there's actually four recap episodes in the middle of the damn show. Right in um, a row. In a row. Um, you can go through those recap episodes if you want, but if you just play... You should, because... You should, because there's good music in them. You should, because it is good music, and for recap episodes, they're they're good. I do... I did think they were good recap episodes. However, you also can skip the recap episodes and not miss a damn thing. So, uh, just be forewarned there, if all of a sudden you no see... No correction. If, if all of a sudden, in the, middle of a sh- in the middle of the show, you see Sume pop up and you start from the beginning, it's not a mistake. <laughs> Um, so, anyways, you will, however, miss. You will, however, miss. Uh, could you bite the hand? Which is another great OST track. Yes. Um, anyways, if you are interested in seeing anything that Dub Talk does, the easiest way to do that is, of course, to subscribe to us here on our YouTube channel, um, YouTube.com/slash/DubTalkPodcast. We are. For episodes on the go, we are also available. I'm. This is the first time I get to say all this. We are also available to listen to through Podbean, uh, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you want to just, if you prefer to take us on the go, it's fantastic. Um, for social media, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr is dead. We also have a Twitch account. And if you really want to show even more support to us. Um, we do have a Kofi page for any like little one-time donations, uh, and we also have our Patreon, uh, where you can essentially donate monthly to us uh, and get early access to episodes and clips and fun little bits of news and fun things like that that we're working on. And speaking of our patrons, of course, we have to give a huge shout out to our patrons. We have B. Morris, Crimson Echidna, Michael Nuttig, um, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Char- Carly Lestikow, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jared, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. Spartacus. I'm. Ooh, Mika Boy, <laughs> I'm Spartacus. Fuck <laughs> you. Uh, but no, thank you to our wonderful You set patrons. me up. <laughs> I did. Um, but no, thank you to our wonderful patrons for their continued support. Um, as for shit that the three of us do, Andrew is staring at me. 
<laughs> what are you standing in the doorway for? Yeah. I was not. I was like, you're doing your thing. You were so close to me. You're watching me, and I can tell, and it's creepy. Yeah. Okay. He wants. Go away. He wants. He wants snoo snoo. <laughs> well, he's not gonna get snoo snoo if this keeps up. Um, and. <laughs> oh, Andrew boy, would you like some snoo snoo? I can't hear you right now. <laughs> After this is done, you need to take your headphones off. I will, but me. anyway, for anything that the three of us do, uh, if you want to follow Megan, you can follow her on her Twitter at QueenEra2, where she shitposts a lot. Um, for anything that Hardy does- I shit- I shitpost and I coerce my boyfriend into buying me fire up a body pillows. <laughs> Hooray. And if mouse wanna... pads. Excuse me, I bought that one for myself. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> anyway. I am Ferdinand Von Eyer. <laughs> I love Ferdinand. Anyway, for anything that Hardy does, you can follow him on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. And I. You're still a forum moderator? I am. Forum and you Discord. Are... He, yep, you can also ch hang out with him on the Funimation forum and Discord as he is one of the moderators. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. Uh, as well as I have a blog that I kind of recently updated, I guess, finally in the first time in a few months, in, in a couple of years. Not the greatest circumstances, but either way. Um, but you can check out my blog at lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. Uh, anything else that we want to talk about or discuss right now? Or are we done? Have we reached paradise? Yeah. Wash your hands. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Wear a mask, Mika boy. <laughs> yes. The world is still in a weird place right now. Please be safe. Stay healthy. Wash your hands, you fucking heathens! Please, 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 stay safe, and we, because we want, we want to keep you here. <laughs> we would like you to come back and say hi. <laughs> please, <laughs> so please, please stay safe. Please, please stay safe. Please wash your hands, um, and be good to one each to one another. Be kind to one another, please, 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 please. This, 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 the world is weird right now. There is one thing I want to do before we end the episode. Okay. I mean, let's go. What is it? Oh, I am Ferdinand von Eyre. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Every time I do the Farron voice, everybody fucking hates me, but Hardy laughs his ass off and I do it for him. I die. That's how it happens to me. I just die of laughter. So on that note, thank you, Mr. Ferdinand von Eyre. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> on that note, thank you very much for joining us. Happy birthday, Dub Talk. Heck yeah. Five years. God. Mm -hmm. Check out our sexy new logo, which yours truly made. Heck yeah. Thanks, Hardy. I was about to say, did you say check? I thought you were going to say check out our sex tape. <laughs> 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 It's not actually a sex tape. It's just, it's just Roots doing the Captain America. So you thought you were going to watch a sex tape. No. And then it switches immediately over to the speed racer head. She's, yes. <laughs> yes. It's nothing for five hours of the speed racer head staring into your soul. Every so often a new hat comes on. <laughs> Roots, I love you. Please make this you, happen. <laughs> Please make this a thing. Anyway. I love you, honey. <laughs> anyway, my thank paradise. you everybody. 
Thank you everyone for joining us. We hope you have a good night. And as always, otaku on my friends. Fall in love with us again next week. Someone needs to put this dog down. She's going to <laughs> Wow! <laughs> I love I'm you. Gonna I'm going to shit in your shoes. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Been a long road to follow. Been there.